0: And remember that we are not descended from fearful men.
1: Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Five, four, three.
2: The Kellen and Alex Show.
0: Zero. Liftoff. We have a
2: liftoff. The Kellen and Alex Show. All right. All right. What a start. Uh, well, you told me a great historical joke. <laughs> No, I mean, you were testing my history. You were testing <laughs> my history, was. Mike um, Arabs, uh, on Normandy and D-Day. World War II is a myth. <laughs> Mike, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much for having me. It had this
2: has been
3: a long time coming, dude. It has been a long time We needed to have you on for the past three years. We've been talking,
1: to, I think, I'm, like, when, when did you guys start the show?
2: Uh, was it before Austria It would have after been, Austria? been the after Austria. It was after Austria. I remember you guys
1: <laughs> talking about it in Austria. and. I was like, yeah, I'd love to come on (laughs) at some point. It's like... like, It takes (laughs) 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 takes three years. You know, nothing's
2: happened between them, but...
1: uh, No, absolutely nothing (laughs) 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 So,
2: we all graduated 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and then you went and worked in... I I remember talking to you about your your teaching experiences. Yes. That was... um,
1: Was that fall of 2020 when you started? So, yes, I started teaching the end of August of 2020, and I gave my like I guess it was like four and a half weeks notice um I I think it was either before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving right around Thanksgiving time I I decided to stop teaching um but (laughs) like you know life changes so then, then I came back here did a little bit of masters played um an extra season of lacrosse my mulligan season of lacrosse um which went about as well as you'd expect. We don't win any games. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen was there for everyone. okay are a How many games, did you, how how many was, games uh, did you play? I 16 something? No, I mean total this, on the past team. Yeah. Uh, like, um, like my entire time with lacrosse. Oh, no, just that just season. The past season. Well.
3: <laughs> didn't we play 25?
1: No, 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 no. No, we, we played, didn't play that. Movie. We played, I want to say 13 or 14, but I was suspended for four of those. <laughs>
2: I remember. Okay, yeah, you got to tell there. the story of how I you was got suspended.
3: I was there the day he got suspended. I was like, <gasps> okay, so like, I wasn't happy that you were suspended, but I wasn't it, happy either. It did not deserve a suspension. It was stupid. Well, so explain here, the
1: circumstances. I, I will explain the circumstance and, and I'll explain all the behind the scenes stuff because I, I, in hindsight, agree completely, one hundred percent with everything that happened to me. So we're playing against Saint Vincent. Um, Saint Vincent. I'm. i'm (laughs) i'm starting to attack um first first game of the season and we're you know we have a lot of new guys we have a lot of energy just coming off a really good fall ball um i it was it was kind of a a newer announcement for me to come back so there was a lot of energy leading into this game and we had we have never beaten saint vincent's um and The last game that we had played prior to the spring season was the game right before we got shut down, which was our game down in Dallas.
3: You guys won that game.
1: We won that that game. That was the best game I had ever played in my life, and that was the first one we had had since we won the AMCC championship, a conference we were no longer a part of, and that was back in 2018.
3: Wait, we won the AMCC in 2018?
1: 2018, yeah. And then that was the last year before... Um, men and women's lacrosse oh, was
3: transferred to the pack.
1: Transferred to the pack, and then the rest of the school followed. So that game was huge. And we're so we're coming off the energy of that game. And that was that was the best game for me statistically. Um I've ever had. And so we come into this game and St. Vincent just for first quarter they just destroyed us. I think they scored twelve.
3: The final score us. is 18-4, right?
1: The fun, something stupid like that. I yeah. think they broke 20. Um and yeah, so we're it's just not happening. I think I touched the ball maybe three or four times in the the first beginning, and I was being covered by a guy who um, he was a freshman, and he was supposed to come to Franciscan. he had talked to coach, but Saint Vincent is just a better team, and they also had his major, so that and here's the thing that's happened to so many guys <clears throat> that we've had, but so um, they have this tall guy on their team; he's like six seven freshman. Um, and he's just smack talking us the whole game using, <laughs> using words I, I won't repeat on air. Um, fake Catholics. <laughs> us for St. Vincent. St. Vincent. <laughs> yeah. Aren't they in
3: name Catholic?
1: I, I, well, I, I have a funny story about that too. And it's quick <laughs> to, to interrupt myself, which both of you know, I do very frequently.
3: We interrupt each other all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. The depth of coherence and all of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh after
1: we play we this was at uh St. Vincent, I think my junior year or sophomore year or something. And we get together, you know, we we pray with every team we play, we we ask to pray with them after the game, and most of them go. I think we've had one or two times where a couple of guys on the other team will just refuse to pray with us. Um but we always pray with at least a group of people from the other team. And you know, we get together and we sit down and pray. And one of the, kid, one of the kids on, on St. Vincent's team is, man, this is cool. This is awesome. Makes me kind of wish I was Catholic. I'm like, you're going to a Catholic school? What are you? Oh, I'm Jewish. <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, here's a curveball out of left field. And I know that's not even correct, but I don't know baseball. But, um, yeah, so the, anyway, this tall kid, he's just crap-talking us the whole game. And then we've got um, my my boy Joe Moralia from, from uh, Orange County, California. Uh, Joe's pretty cool. Joe's a great guy. Um, so he he brings the ball and he's he's a long stick. So he normally plays defense, but he also has a great shot, and he's a he's a just crazy athlete, crazy athletic. Comes over, and he likes to come over and take long shots, and he scores on him. Um, and so he comes over to try and do that, you know, to try to get something for the team going. And he he passes it to me, and I look for him for the pass back right as the quarter's ticking down. He gets it. And right as the quarter ends, this big dude just come in, comes in, and just it's totally an illegal hit, shots to the head, in the back, everything flagrant, and um, he obviously he he you know he gets a penalty for that, um, and this this is all happening in the span of like five seconds. What 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 follows after this? So the quarter ends, and I, Joe's had a history of concussions, and you know I I. I feel my responsibility as the oldest guy on the team, even though I wasn't voted a captain that year, to protect the younger guys, especially someone who's prone to stuff like that. So I come up and without even thinking about it, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, uh, hopefully another topic we can get into about like kind of masculine instinct. Um, There was there was just no like my my eyes saw blood. I, You're in the I heat this. of the game. It's the it's the heat no. of the moment. So I come up. I I have my stick. as a short stick. And remember, I'm five ten. This guy is a full like almost three fourths of a foot tall. <clears throat> I give him a shove in the ribs, and then I take my stick one handed, reel it back, and <laughs> just smack him in the head with it uh, hard, as hard as I could. Um, and I think probably the worst part about it is that he did not react. That and that made me feel really just. <laughs> yeah it made, yeah. Me, made me feel like i as soon, and as soon as i did it and he didn't react i was like i did a really stupid thing so um one of my teammates grabs me pulls me off the field and um and yeah and then i was ejected from the game for that game the ncaa gave me a one game suspension after that That's pretty lenient. i mean the ncaa i think they have like that was a decision they had to make. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's like, you know, top level NCAA people making the decision yeah, about yeah, one Franciscan no. crossing. That's probably like, oh, they, they saw my like whatever the penalty was <clears> on the <throat> stat line. And say, okay, that is a one game suspension. But then it was um it was actually um coach's decision to give me the uh it was a total two weeks. Suspension. Yeah, it's a two
3: week suspension, right? It was a two
1: week suspension and I that's ridiculous. I was very upset with it initially. Um there were there were some there were some guys. Um, well, actually, one person in particular who I, I won't name because he is kind of connected to the team in a weird way, who felt I should have been kicked off of the team, um, and we had had an incident with a kid having to get kicked off of the team um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, he, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, but I in 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 light of all of that. And for you know, for the sake of of what Franciscan athletics in general is trying to promote, I I complete like I completely agree with that decision. And I did looking back, I did think it was and you, did you guys what was the
2: score of that game?
1: That game I have no idea. It was terrible. It was okay. well, I mean, we didn't win a game that season and the closest we got to was we Teal. lost by two goals against Teal. And 12-10. that was it. Yep.
0: And then one the of the game
1: I was I was suspended for. So that's again and that then that's that's a that's one of those things where you you look back and you regret like by completely by the merit of my actions, I took myself out of not just that game, but a game that we had a, a very good chance at winning. Yeah.
3: So what like
2: I do want to go back to your your experience with teaching and why you decided to leave and like come back to studentville and stuff because sure you know nick what is this my my coming back to studentville like i called nick and nick was like over the summer of 2020 he was like i'm going back i don't know what i'm gonna do yet i'm like what really Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he kind of for me was like that that in and then when it was we were at a veritas social i think this was fall of 2020 like really late at the the party house yeah. The Brady house. Okay. And you came over and, I was, and yeah. I was
1: like, wait, was this in the fall? Mike?
2: I was like, what? A-raps? Yeah, yeah <laughs> this is in the fall. And I was like, and you were like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to come back this next semester. And I was like,
0: what?
2: <laughs> Cause I, I, at that point, you know, it was me, uh, from our class, it was me, Nick, you would come back. Um, was there anyone else from our class? It, well, well, Ben said graduated right mm-hmm. uh and a few others but mm-hmm. I was just like so ecstatic that you, yeah <laughs> that you were coming back as well so anyways you were teaching in yeah, I was um, teaching was in it the... in DC probably? no so was it a little
1: bit no northern Virginia is a is I mean that that's a like a it's whole other podcast I could talk about like okay yeah what's going on in northern Virginia no I was teaching in kind of like a <clears throat> so DC is a main metropolitan area and then what we call the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, nor- like Northern Virginia, the D.C. metro area, like whatever you know, like name sure. you have for it. There are like these other metropolitan out- outgrowths. So think think of like a-, a single cell, and then that cell just grows large, and then eventually like an outgrowth... Be- I'm describing it like a cancer because
0: <laughs> <know>. <laughs> DC. DC
1: is definitely a cancer. So. But I was, I was teaching in one of these centers, these metropolitan centers. It was called Vienna. So Vienna, Virginia, technically speaking, um, which is actually closer to DC than where I actually lived. Um, and so, yeah, I was teaching there at a Catholic school. Very, very good school. Um, I can't imagine any, anyone from there is going to ever going to listen to this, but um they they treated me very very well and i i did i think i i really enjoyed my time there and i think if i can sum up teaching when i when I'm, i tell people that i did teach and that i i i quit you know it's, it's mm-hmm. there's no there's no denying that um and people ask me like you know what were you teaching it was middle school social studies sixth seventh and eighth grade and they're like oh man those kids are like no that's not true the kids were fantastic like some of the most interesting insights and really <clears throat> impressive Im, Im, impressive things I heard from the students. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised with how not terrible teaching middle school students was. Um, but basically my my move back to student really just comes down to a call from God. And I think that's how most people experience it. It was it was like a in the course of about three days, um I had talked to um, admissions at Franciscan about free grad classes, which I took advantage of. I t- I um, start the Catholic Studies masters, and it was like new at the time. It right? was very new. It was yeah. very new, and I didn't know anything about Doctor Jones at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so got that, then figured out I was eligible to play lacrosse. Yeah. Then the next day. I talked, I called up coach and I said, Hey coach, I'm, I, you know, I can play lacrosse. You know, I want to come back. Um, and he says, you know, have you found a living situation? I said, no, I haven't been able to find a living situation. I was thinking about trying to live at, um, with, with a buddy down on Oregon with Brad, you know, the the house that Brad was in, Mm -hmm. um, down at the end of Oregon. I was thinking about trying to live at the Brady house with Nick, but that just didn't work out because it was already at max capacity. And he says, oh, yeah, my son, Peter, who also happens to be my household brother, um, just bought a house right off Euclid. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> um, so I got so I, I had a house that, you know, just popped up out of nowhere. And then the the night after that, I have my, you know, we started a kind of young adult group at my church. They're my local parish. And I was talking to everyone. I was explaining what I was, what I was thinking about doing. And I said, the one thing that's stopping me is I really like the school, but the whatever for whatever reason, oh, well, there is a specific reason why I left teaching that particular place in this particular time and it has everything to do with COVID protocols. Um, I said, I, I am worried that I'm the only one who can teach these kids. And um, a friend of mine who was part of this group Went to school for aerospace engineering. Worked as an aerospace engineer in California for a year.
3: Jeez.
1: Then came back home to Manassas, Virginia, and decided to like work somewhere else. And because he wanted to be close to family, and he, and this guy, you know, with with that, like, like you want to talk about
3: using aerospace like,
1: engineering? You want to talk about using a college degree? You know, freaking history is down here. Aerospace rocket science, yeah, <laughs> actual rocket, <laughs> science. an actual rocket scientist looks me in the eyes and tells me you're replaceable no matter what your position is you're replaceable and i was and that was the the thing that kicked me over And by the grace of god within a week of me you know telling the school that i was leaving and it it wasn't just me so this is is something that that made me feel a little bit better about my decision is that we had five other new teachers leave before christmas so and and why is
3: everybody leaving
1: it's COVID. It's, I, it is, is primarily because of COVID protocols, but not in the way that you'd think. So I, I didn't really have a problem with wearing a mask. Um, I eventually just started wearing just a face shield because I, I did have some problems breathing. But the big issue was at the start of the year, at the start of the school year, Instead of using those kind of first two weeks where we're in there, we're, we're you know we're getting everything done to start lesson planning, and also because I was a history major, I I was not an education major. I was not trained in education. I've taken a single education class. Hmm. So I get in there, and the you usually what happens is if you're a new teacher, you get in there, and even if you've gone through the whole education experience, you know, student teaching, field work, all your classes, they still instruct you on how to teach and what you're going to teach and strategies to use. There was none of that. It was all COVID. And I don't blame the school for doing that. I don't even blame the diocese for doing that. I just, you know, that's the circumstances that were surrounded. So those first two weeks were, we were talking about social distancing. We were talking about mass policy. We were talking about what are we going to do for lunchtime? We were, we were talking about what are we going to do for desk space? Teachers were going to have to move around the school. which And you weren't getting
2: trained on like just how to teach in general.
1: No. And so I, like basically by the time I, I started I was one week behind and school was so crazy I was I was teaching three different subjects across nine different classes. Oh jeez. <laughs> Wait, you were teaching nine classes? Like I, I had three sixth grade classes, three seventh grade classes, three eighth grade classes. Holy cow. You're kidding. No. So I and I had six classes a week except on Wednesdays.
3: How did you teach all that?
1: <clears throat> <With> great difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, oh it's I I had I really had some good times from it, and some great experiences, but it was, it was not it was not the right place, it was not the right time, and every everything that made teaching in Northern Virginia unattractive made taking grad classes and playing lacrosse in Steubenville very attractive. So mm-hmm. boom, clean break, and also because I'm and you guys can speak to this twenty twenty. I ended. I didn't end up going to graduation. I also, you know, my season got canceled early. I was coordinator of my household. That whole thing got kind of got canceled early. We had our senior honoring over Zoom.
0: Mm.
3: That's
1: um, and and so I, you know, I came back and I, I tried to get as involved in household as I could. I almost had a little. I tried to get involved in lacrosse as I could. And because I think I was still trying to find that clean break, you know, that clean like okay, here's the point where I can expand forward. And this is another one of those funny ways in which God works. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. The little I thought I was going to have, didn't. I, I didn't get him obviously. And, you know, the, the whole suspension thing. But the result of that was I had two weeks where I thought I was going to have a little, didn't have a little. I thought I was going to play those three games <laughs> of lacrosse, didn't end up playing those three games of lacrosse. But that gave me an opportunity to spend every day with... Uh, my girlfriend and, and which we had just started dating at the time and you know she was able to take some days off we were we went hiking multiple days in a row um uh, not overnight camping don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but so so that was that was fantastic and it's it's kind of one of those hidden blessings that <clears throat> that god gives to you um and, and there have been a lot of hidden, hidden blessings since I came back to Steubenville. So what do you think so of you know, the Catholic studies program? I like it. I, I, since, since I started working for Mike Sullivan, I've taken a bit of a break from it, but I would like to continue with it, especially nice. because. So I should preface my, it. So it's yeah. a
2: new graduate program yes. under Here? Dr. Andrew Jones. Yes. What's it my, called? my master to my beloved disciple, uh, I call myself the beloved disciple of Dr. Jones. I've said it many times. He doesn't know it. Oh, but I've said it so many times, maybe he's heard it. Um, but he's brilliant. Like, he's, he's yes. really brilliant. And um, so he basically founded his own program, which is... Yeah, I mean, there's Catholic studies programs elsewhere, I think. But it's not theology proper. Well, it's, it's, it's kind like, of like historically
1: setting. It's a interesting. Catholic project, yeah. I wish it had a better... Name descriptor because I you know if I tell someone that I'm getting a master's in Catholic studies, they their first question is, "Oh, do you want to become a priest?" <laughs> oh, <really>? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and that's not what it's about at all. It's it's really the you know the first those three classes that you have to take is Church history from you know from Adam and Eve to post Vatican II, which is I think a good way to kind of define. Ages, and then the other class I took was um, a class on Tolkien, which was fantastic. Nice. Dang, um, so I, it is not a theology degree. It's it's an all encompassing degree. I I really liked the analogy that it is a continuation of the HCC major hmm. because while while Jones and Gast, I don't know the relationship between Jones and Gast. Sure. But I <clears throat> they're kind of they're not adjacent but there there's not many degrees of separation yeah so i can can see that i can see why people make that kind of connection from that from 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 hgc to catholic studies because i also did take 201 which is like which is like the hgc class Mm. so i i would definitely say that there is a comparable aspect to both of them uh i'm i'm
2: interested like well that was before two cities came out right the uh when you were taking you know dr andrew jones book two cities i thought it was before church and state that's his first that's word. his first book yeah i do have that. he book. just released yeah. so he's released recently which is basically i'm pretty sure that church history class he took from adam and eve to vatican II. that he basically wrote the book based on that class and what he'd been teaching i don't, I don't know see. if you know that was well, actually it's three classes Oh, three
1: classes. Three. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based, yeah, yeah. yeah, Basically. And so you
2: do it in those, like,
1: blocks. What is it called? Two cities? The two cities. I guess yeah. is the insinuation Athens and Jerusalem, or is it? Uh, City of God, City of God. Okay. Augustine yeah. stuff. Okay. So Augustine stuff. Yeah. stuff,
2: yeah. I'm in the acknowledgement. Are
1: <laughs> you really? Good. Yeah. Good for you,
2: buddy. Makes... And it was only for, like, a very small review of the Vatican II section. I was like, I can't believe you put me in there. I didn't do anything for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's based on. Well, he he wanted to do a book covering his church history, like his view of how do you read church history within an Augustinian framework and within like City of God versus City of Man, like the biblical narrative as your interpretive key of history, basically, mm-hmm. which is what Augustine's doing. It's just, it's brilliant stuff. I mean, um, Yeah. I'm interested. He, one difficulty I've seen with like the Catholic studies program, maybe you know it, like is there's so many online students and there's very few like in person? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of that? So,
1: um, Matt Dolner and I talked about this when he was, he was taking classes with it. We would, you know, eventually I just wasn't able to make the zoom meetings, um, which weren't required, but I wish I could have, um, I, yeah. And in class. Personable setting is so crucially important to education. That's another reason why I teach you know to, to get back to middle school teaching for a second. For all of those classes, I had kids in class and at the same time I had kids online. So <laughs> you, you had you had that dual example, and that's just I you know I understand the draw of online school. It's kind of it's 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 like remote working, right? It's really convenient and it's affordable because you don't have to pay. Room and board. You don't have to pay for a meal plan. You don't have to pay all the expenses that we paid of four years on campus undergrad. And the, the thing that we, we observed with the Catholic studies being online is that, you know, Dolan and I were able to go to each other's houses and discuss things if we wanted to. I was able to discuss the Tolkien class with Nick because he was taking it. Nick Larkins. Yeah. And, um, shout out shout out to nick larkins what um, a lot anyways yeah <laughs> um but it was it was interesting because so the, that that one the, the the first church history class it was me and dolinar and then like i think one or two other girls that we didn't know in undergrad but were in undergrad with us i don't remember their names and then the rest were moms and yeah, I'm oh, nice. serious, like, like, like 30 something, 40 something year old moms. And the thing we discovered was like all but two of them are in charge of music ministry at their parish. And they, so what we, we kind of inferred is that they saw this degree being offered from Franciscan, which is like, I understand, like, like from if you're on, we're on the inside looking out. If you're on the outside looking in, Franciscan is kind of like, oh, yeah, the, the, the Scott Hahn University, right? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Catholic Retreat yeah. Center. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, on top? Oh, that's where the conferences are. Yeah. Never, I've never been to a conference. Nope. Never either. I,
3: mean, yeah. I have no idea what, what goes yeah, on. I no, no. Idea. And what I don't dude, want to dude,
2: know. Dude, I mean, oh, dude, that's hilarious. The branding outside versus, like, what our experience is.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, my For, Like, God. smoking pipes in the Francis gazebo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Talking, <laughs> like, talking, like, crazy political theories and stuff. You yeah. I'm thinking we're at the center of the universe. Yeah
1: well which we are <laughs> but but yeah it was it That's was so awesome. it was all moms and like the just all moms.
2: <laughs> i can't imagine you like having a class of like a music yeah. ministry <laughs> yeah. talking about a dr jones subject
1: <laughs> having to watch dr jones try to field a question this is an actual question we were on <gasps> on the zoom on the zoom um well excuse me blackboard oh, no. collaborate shout out to blackboard collaborate you Pain.
0: It's a
1: disaster. Um, <laughs> but we're we're discussing the early church, and poor Dr. Jones trying to explain to this mom, because this mom's question was, I want you to explain what's going on with the early church and that they share anything. It kind of sounds like socialism. And <laughs> poor Dr. Jones trying to explain early church distributism to <laughs> A woman oh, who, who's, who's probably, bless her soul, probably, like, voted Republican in her whole life and and not thought much about politics outside of that. Um, I can't, not, not to go off on oh, a ramp. Gosh. I, kind of, I kind of feel that way. Anytime you, like, you, you go around. And I had one of those stickers. But you know the sticker, like, freedom, not socialism? Anytime I see one of those stickers on, a, like, a freshman or sophomore's computer at Campus Veritas has this problem. I just think, like, we need to have a talk. Like, <laughs> History. like you're 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 caught up in 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 a in a false dichotomy and it's not your Wait, fault. you said
2: veritas has this problem
1: with like oh man i i just I was, a blanket conservatism i was hoping veritas would be brought up because i was so the debate yes latin the, mass. the latin mass debate this past sunday were you there i was there i did not get called on I was very upset. <laughs> oh. I didn't know you guys had changed up the format and that before the lightning round, the um two of the presenters were allowed to give a yep. a kind of lightning round. So I thought that was the closer. So oh, you I know? did too. Yeah.
3: I did too. So I, I grabbed Helena and I was
1: like, we're leaving. And I
2: stopped oh,
0: no. that. <laughs>
1: no, you didn't. I did. Oh, I, did.
2: I thought because it was lightning,
0: lightning round.
1: It was, it was, oh. I was just, oh, I, like, I hate to say it but since i am <laughs> since I am an alumnus of the Veritas program great yeah. only an associate member you were on the first year of al- I, I was the first year yeah. of associates yeah that was the best in my opinion best class of associates you're to a ask. special associate I am a special so I'm, emphasis on special <laughs> <laughs> um it was stale I just felt it was so stale and it was i i described it to i was I was talking to um, your brother, Paul. Mm-hmm. Well, we were discussing it at work. So you know, for people listening, um, I work with Paul Denley, David Willey, and Nick Larkins. So while we were working hanging drywall and, and sweeping floors, we discussed various political like concepts in theology and philosophy. It's, it's the weirdest work site you've ever,
0: ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so dope.
1: Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of jealous. My construction crew, and we're talking about Aquinas. and, and yes. high yeah. philosophy. Yeah. And I, I was telling them, it's veritas debates have and and i felt this way about two debates in particular the american experiment debate mm, and the gun good. control debate that i presented for, for i remember that in that favor of gun control yeah and and bo- both of them ha- were had very very good aspects and this one did as well this this one had some good aspects but a lot of these 5 minute speeches are kids who want to say something and they end up just either parroting Something they learned in their classes, 100, 200 level classes, or something they heard from some pundit online. Yep. It's 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 a lack of original thought. That's why in that American experiment debate, I said burn the Constitution. That's why in the. the uh, I remember that, dude.
2: That was a <laughs> landmark. I remember of that. Veritas history. In, <laughs> if the Constitution was in front of me right now, I'd burn it. That's how much meaning it <laughs> has for all of us. We were like, oh, gr-. Alex McKenna was over there, like, about to you know just
1: self collapse into. Over-
2: oh, I'm <laughs> so happy.
1: Um, and, well, and, and and the same thing with the gun control debate because actually, a girl, when I gave that that speech for um, burning the Constitution in favor of burning the Constitution, and um, a girl like up in the up in the atrium asked me the question: People, you know, a lot of people who are gun owners cling like really really hard to the Second Amendment because they know it enshrines. Their, their constitutional right to own a firearm. And, and my response is that both you are from California, so you know where I'm going with this. My response would be, yes, even more, you've just proved my argument because if the Constitution is burned, then maybe those people that are using their AR-15s as a safety blanket will actually maybe think about hey you know this oppressive tyranny and again i'm not advocating for any kind of violence Mm -hmm. but you know this oppressive tyranny that we keep saying that we're under and that we keep saying is getting worse and worse as the years progress but that we're not doing anything about but we got our guns right we got our guns so if they come and get them we'll you know we'll be okay i'll say yes we should burn the constitution so maybe those people that have those guns will actually stop and think hey maybe I'm not as protected as I think I am that that little sheet of paper is as it's already it's already completely ignored I mean you know that that sure. was a point I, I established um that little piece of paper is so fickle and is is so readily just trampled over by by people and, and nothing is done about it it's it's and and that was my argument it's like I don't want us to say no we need to we need to like. Take this thing that's been ripped apart and burned and brutalized and like do everything we can to hold on to it. It's like we gotta put it aside and we got to, we have to push through. We can't, we can't keep trying to cling to this thing, which really is it's a liberal document. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. If you, if you go by um new New Poly, like if you know, yep. I I encourage <clears throat> you to listen to stuff that New Poly is putting out. Um you know it's it's based on Lockean ideals. Oh, aren't
2: they those socialist guys?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, just Mark Barnes. <laughs> Mark Barnes. Yeah. Um But it's you know, mood, you you know at least accept that your rights are being trampled upon and that you have to do something about it. You can't just keep voting for people who aren't good. I want to
2: come back to the new polity guys for game.
1: Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. lack of originality. Definitely right. in the Veritas debates is a lack of originality. No, 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 no. But
2: like I've or just in, in like, <laughs> political discourse
1: and philosophical
2: discourse. No, I mean, all, like, yeah. you realize so much how discourse is just, smart person said X, I remember that they said it, let me try and say it. Yeah. Um,
3: I think a lot of the debates, I think a lot of people just try to base their arguments off of doctrine. Like, they look at... They or look semantics. At, <laughs> it's like, I kind of understanding understand what you're saying with, like, original thought. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good debate. I kinda, of the, I didn't the, understand a lot of what people were saying, but yeah. I, I just figured
1: well, it's also it's not it's, bad. it's an opportunity for you to go out there and to say something that's incorrect and then yep. force other people to take a new angle to correct it. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, if I had gone up and said in my speech, I, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what I would have said, um, but I, I. I probably would have said some things that people would label me as a schismatic. And I would have been fine with that. And I probably would have said, you know, fine, maybe I am a schismatic. Maybe that's something that we should consider. And I would be happy... I, you know, I can't I, believe we didn't call on you for the debate. <laughs> oh my gosh. I it sucks. And like sucks. I I am not a schismatic. You know? No 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 I, no. I know, but no, I, know like, I know it wouldn't like riled everyone up. Well, this. and that's the thing. Like I knew, and I knew like back when, like if if you were cheering or if Nick was yeah. cheering, and you recognized, like okay, this is getting stale. <laughs> like, yeah, Michael Arif's get up it's here and tell us why right you're now. schismatic.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like that's an opportunity for someone to come up and say. Hey, that you know, guy, because no one knows me anymore, guy who was who says he's a schismatic and that he's proud to be a schismatic. Um here, here, here's why that's not the correct answer. That's that's why we can't go about this. But of course that wouldn't happen either. Someone would have just come up and said, Hey, yeah, that guy who was up here who is a schismatic, why don't you go to Pope Michael and Archbishop Lefebvre, you know, SSPX, get out of here, dude. We don't want you. And then everyone hey, be like, it's it's just so frustrating it's very frustrating the the and it's hard to blame the younger kids because you also have to remember they're like 19 years old (laughs)
0: that's
2: true yeah
1: and that's the other thing is like we've been
2: just training at this for the last like veritas for me has been just this training ground where i can now just stand up in the gentile gallery and just even if i have no idea what i'm saying like i you know just give a speech but i i look back on like previous videos like our first years we were there and stuff first debates and i mean we were as like cringing everywhere 20 people shut like, up <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and and now it's a it's, it's a packed difficult. house
1: every time man. but it's, it's so
2: it's so ridiculous like yeah. this whole the whole lecture model of the <clears throat> university without community in terms of an academic thing like you just realize kids stand up there and because they haven't like been trained in the veritas stuff their ideas are just parroting lectures that they've heard because they haven't yeah. had to express their ideas and have them challenged but the difficulty yeah. is like it's, it's embarrassing I mean it's embarrassing the fact that you know you can get all these university students and we just haven't been trained at all in being able to speak or how to think or how to have your opinions challenged yeah. or like that's the reason why I think our, our whole Veritas thing was like such a cataclysmic thing for our <laughs> class and for the classes under in terms
1: D- of like gauntlet forming too. a community the gauntlet yeah the you gauntlet actually have was, like it was just such a punch in the nose, honestly. To a lot was, of stuff, to, yeah. a lot of, to a lot of stuff and to a lot of people that actually challenged the culture on campus. Veritas mm-hmm. has challenged the culture on campus. And this is yeah, not just has. like some self-aggrandizement because I don't claim, I I, I, I was an associate member, you know. I was I was welcomed in. I was not a core, like the, the, the founders, like, like you and David and Clem, like, yeah. The credit is owed to you guys for really just starting starting a wildfire that needed to happen. Yeah. But the cool thing was, like, there it's were good, there were so many
2: people who like associates and other people who were just like, "This is awesome! Let's get on board and <laughs> let's do it!" And, like, take to it because we we saw the value of like uh, an academic intellectual community because it's like it's so stupid us as Americans like we <laughs> we don't build spaces. We build lecture halls and you build dorms, and you think that that creates an academic community. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> stupid. And then the JCs like this hangout center, and the Gentile Gallery is like this one space that's dedicated to mostly just talks. And we took yeah. this one space and transformed it into like a community. Like I, we've been talking with the Veritas guys like incessantly about the fact that we need a space that's the Veritas space. This like yeah. and uh, a place where uh, the discussion. The community, the professors talking yeah. with students in a real way. It's, it's and not like, just
1: like lecturing. If you, know? you go to any yeah. of these older schools, like, like yeah, like, of course, the Ivies, but any yeah. school, like, you know, um, a school that's been around prior to 1900, um, especially yes. something that struck me. Um, I went awesome. to the, um, the, the Naval Academy for something when I was in high school, and they one of their mess halls. Is like this gorgeous stone building. If you put a crucifix in there, it like would be like something out of or
2: something.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of, kind of like nice hardwood floor, yeah. big stone columns. Throw a few statues in there, high altar, crucifix, yep. and it's it's like it's more beautiful than any Catholic, like your average parish Catholic church. And I'm like, why is this a mess hall? This is this is a debate hall, and yep. that's that's what I think you're talking about is a debate hall. But I want to get back, and I don't want to run over any points you guys want to make. I want to get back to um, the fact that kids in America this 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 goes this strikes at the heart of American education the fact that kids are taught just to parrot things and it's because and I experienced this when I taught I the first the first thing that I opened up with the first day of class the first thing I went over was a very trimmed down version of the ifwp the explanation of culture that Gaston uses um, from 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 that kind of experience uh, perspective and and the reason why i did that i said is this is a tool this is a model through which you can analyze culture and civilization i really do not want to have you guys just memorizing facts about history mm. and and then you know having your multiple choice test and like okay what year did columbus sail the ocean blue 1492 you know um who when well, you know what uh, Native American civilization was in Peru, Incas, right? That's trivia and trivia is trivial. it's it's you're just learning a bunch of facts and that's why a lot of um I remember even when you know when I, when we were in school, a lot of you've probably heard a lot of kids say, and I'm not talking about college, I'm talking about high school and middle school even elementary school, okay, I'm sitting in history class. Why am I learning this? I'm sitting in English class. Why am I learning this? I am even sitting in, like for me, I hated science, sitting in science class. I don't need to know what the number 18 on the periodic table is. That has no relevance to me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I think the only thing that maybe like has a grand, like wide appeal, like, okay, math. Yes. You need to know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, all that stuff. You need to know math. But these kids are like, why do I need to learn this crap? It's it's just not useful. And the thing is, the American education system has made it not useful. It's mm. made it so that, you know, these, all this history, all this literature, all this theology, oh, all this dude. science. It's, it's trivia. Yeah. It's now it's now it's, trivia. Yeah. You're like every time you sit down and take a test in any high school class it's Jeopardy. You're playing Jeopardy. Even the short answer, that's like your your final Jeopardy, right? Patrick Janine makes a good
2: point of this and why liberalism failed or that whole culture of liberalism as an anti-culture. That basically, Mm -hmm. like, what we're doing is we're just destroying all culture in favor for this (laughs) idea of the secular. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just a mechanical trivia type of, like, here, remember this, because, you know, the most important people in our society are, you know, Rocket
1: scientists and stuff, you know?
2: Yeah. And we're rock- not actually you're not actually building a culture. You're trying to like
1: train, you know, mechanical
2: mechanical people. Yeah. And it's
1: the 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 two things that are trained, the, the two things there there is a priority place on two things in education. STEM. Yes. And business, finance, marketing, whatever. Like any anything within that that kind of sector where you know you ask. What do i do (laughs) i make money right that's those are the those are the two things that liberalism supports because primarily liberalism is about creating stuff it's it's a well it's it's materialist and the thing is stem you know and like engineering science math and finance these are materialistic things they they do exist in the abstract. You know, there is like monetary theory and and all this other stuff, and there's like the supply and demand graphs. But they exist primarily in the real, in something tangible. Like, you know, I can pick up a grenade and that is, science has created that, math has created that. I can hold currency in my hand and currency, you know, is something that's created. You know, it's a physically tangible thing. You can hold a book but a book is so much more than just pages pressed together. You can hold a, a relic of a saint. But a relic of a saint is not just a like little particle of bone. It's it's so much more. You can hold a gosh, you can hold a sword that was used in the Napoleonic Wars by a cavalryman. And you might say, okay, yes, this is a piece of iron sharpened, you know, like pressed and, and smithed and sharpened for the purpose of killing, but it's so much more than that. It's, it is a, it's like a cry. It's a shout, it's a shout through the echoes of the past that resounds with just such great force upon the future. And liberalism doesn't care about that because liberalism is entirely focused on what is tangible, you know, Mm -hmm. things like your house your car, that's what matters. Your, yep. your house and your car are what matters. And In focusing on the individual, it, like like people talk about
2: socialism leveling everything and, and individualism with liberalism just levels all the cultural constructs yeah. as well. And then you just have like, why is it important for me to learn algebra? Like it's not assimilated into a bigger culture that then you say, well, I can see how this all fits within this uh, this community that I'm a part of, right? Yeah. So I, I'm learning these things, but I, it's it's all within this greater good of the community and it has that orientation but if you individualize everything then you're just like okay teach me how to make as much money as possible because that's all that i really care about
1: and it's so inverted because even like like that algebra you might you you might say okay i'm i'm learning this algebra why do i need to learn this algebra or let's say if you like algebra i like this i'm good at this. how can i use this to make money you know there's never like i remember when i was getting my you know, when I was telling people I was getting my undergraduate in history, the first question I was always asked was, what what do you want to do with that? Or the or what do you want to do with that? Teach, <laughs> you know, yep. that's that's the question I was always asked. And and there was never a concept of like, well, I just I want a liberal education. I want to be a liberal. sorry, not a liberal education, a liberal arts education. Yep. I want I want to be well, well-formed. I want to understand these things because I have a passion for it, mm. because I think I can use it to promote a greater society through my discussions, through my knowledge, but no, it's your value is determined by what you can do with the things that you receive in a material way.
3: And I think, unfortunately, that's just how society is these days, right? I mean, you can't, like, the average human being, can you live without making money? Can you live in society without making money? No, you can't. You have to make money, like... That's why I mean, unless you're like, a, like living off the grid, but that's, you know, that's yes. What, yes. to yeah. so the answer to the question is and so yes. Yeah. It's almost like you don't really have a choice. You know, it's like something that I learned was at Franciscan, I was taking classes. I did a few discussion based and that was like, it was so much better than just like mm-hmm. having a teacher tell me something and quizzes and tests. And yeah, I get it. It's to like test your knowledge and everything to see if you've been studying it. But what's, what's it all for really in the end um i think a lot of i think a lot of classes just don't have that I- idea of the end
0: mm-hmm.
3: right it's just kind of like we learn stuff and then that's it but i learned that in the discussion classes i didn't just get the opinion of my teacher it was primarily everybody else yes in there and i think that's kind of to draw it back in with the veritas society is like it needs to be discussion, right? It can't. Exactly. It can't just be somebody telling me what I need to know because history was built on the backs of people. But like, mm-hmm. in order to pass it on, it needs to be like we need to have opinions of other people to understand like really what's going on and and in the current days and like I mean something that we've gone back to before was like those big like big universities like classes there it's just like advanced job training right yeah well
1: there are accreditation schemes yeah you know it's like that's that's the thing and scams i mean because they're taking far more money yeah well the the way the way the world works is that you know generally higher education is used to train an elite and now having an elite is not a bad thing you can have a well-formed and rightly ordered aristocratic elite who are intellectuals who who are plato's guardians right that the the highest you know the highest form of knowledge the leaders who have the knowledge and that's not to discredit the craftsmen or the merchants you know it's um that's the way that society is ordered but there's there's elite overproduction in our society because college is now seen as a prerequisite to any job that pays more than thirty thousand a year and with some exceptions and and so, like, all of these big colleges, you know, if you want to get into journalism, if you want to get into law, if you want to get into um, politics, especially politics, it's, 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 it's kind of like this weird form of academic nepotism where it doesn't matter what you learned. It matters where you learned it from and what kind of piece of paper yeah. they gave you.
0: Yeah, you know, Do you have a true. master's
1: from the right place and the right yeah. thing? Not like, it's you true. know, what did you learn in your classes? Uh, nothing, give me the job. I went to Harvard, you know? It's yes. like, like
3: <laughs> what a uh, disordered society, yeah. It, it is, yeah, I think mainly it's just very unfair the way it's set up because mm-hmm. I, I think one thing that really pisses me off is that I have, I have some friends who are brilliant. Thanks, dude. And they...
0: <laughs> All of us yeah,
3: Thanks of... Both of them are here. Thanks, Kel. both of them are here. And it's both. You're looking at them. Yeah, yeah. both
1: both Kellen's only friends and his only friends that are intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course.
3: They like medical, right? They didn't get into medical schools. Yeah. And they're so smart. They're smarter than half the people that got in because half the people that got in got lucky somehow. I don't know. But like. It's so unfair these days with the way things are set up and how people it almost discourages like discussion and and like you said it's because it's oh who's going to get the best job like you know where where did you oh I went to UC Berkeley I went to Stanford I went to freaking <laughs> Yale I went to Oxford like there are there is that few and far between but the way the system is set up is just like, there's so many smart people that don't get in, that are smarter than the people that got in, if that makes sense. And yeah. it's just like, it's it's more frustrating to me than anything. But at the same time, like, I don't see how it can change. I mean, what if you were to propose an alternate society, what would it be? Because now it's just like, you're going to get in based on the credentials you have. And how, this is how much money yeah. you're going to make based on this. It's a, it's just a series long of like, you how have you, to, in order to get these new credentials, that? you have to
1: get former credentials. And I remember this cause I, um, so I, I was public school until I got to Franciscan. Hell yeah, bro. Um, Same. and, but I taught at a private Catholic school. You I, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a concept of applying to high school. I applied to two colleges, Franciscan U and Montana State University, dude. Montana State? Oh, Montana, Montana State, dude. My sister
3: almost went to Montana State. It's Cool, cool yeah, campus. Dude, cool it is cool up there, yeah. Cool, school.
1: cool well, school. What
3: were you thinking about doing over there?
1: Civil engineering.
3: Oh man. And and ROTC. Have you been out of this dump? Of <laughs> yeah. How, and in how, Montana, <laughs> how the
1: times have changed. I could have gotten a STEM degree from an accredited university. <laughs> but so. I, so these, my, you know, my students, my eighth graders, they were the ones who were going to high school. And I had one girl who applied to six different high schools.
3: What? I'm like,
1: I didn't even know there were six private high schools in the area. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I really wish I could have applied to other two. Woman! (laughs) You know, like, well, there'd be woman. She's, she's 12. Like, girl, like, just go to, school.
0: go to high school.
1: (laughs) It's just high school. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But the thing is... The thing is...
2: Girl! Woman. Well, she's 12.
1: You, <laughs> How did you apply to eight schools? High school. You'd think it wouldn't be... you think it wouldn't be a problem. And that's like... This doesn't seem
3: like it's a big deal. It's
1: high school. You know what I was doing in high school? I was playing Minecraft. <laughs> and, and, Good times. And Good times. like... Playing freaking Hearthstone on my phone in... Personal finance class, which is taught by the football <laughs> coach, you know, it's like, nice. that, if I could sum up high school, that's what I would sum it up as. Um, and like this, like these, these, these kids are making sure they have the, the right types of extracurriculars, the right kinds of, of sports. And they apply yeah. the right high school so they can get to the right college. They can get the right master's program. It's exactly what it it's is. It's exactly what it is. It's just this constant. It's it's literally the rat race. I've just described the rat race. That's what the rat race is. It's, it's constantly moving <clears throat> towards the next best thing. And So what is an alternate no society? Here's the alternate society. You have to break it down from the ground. You have to build it from the base up because I remember when I was in high school, there's this a big thing, and I wanted to get to this when you were talking about discussion, like discussion in your classes, there was this big push for the use of the Socratic method, particularly in literature classes. But so often would we would a student say something, and the teacher would chime in and say, That's a good thought, but that's not the answer I was looking for. It completely destroys what a discussion is meant to be.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, that's again, fair, yeah. She's looking for trivia, and trivia is trivial. So what you have to have is you have to have a society that is. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about education specifically because that's, yeah, I, I don't want to get into like the whole societal level. Education specifically, <clears throat> there cannot be a materialist approach. You also, well, no, I'm going to get into society because you can't, you can't, you, it you, can't. Well, yeah. you can't because education is your training for society. You have to restructure society so that it's not materialist.
3: Yeah, that's, and, that's basically and, what it is. And that's the thing.
1: I when I when people ask me to describe myself politically, which people often do, because I people know I'm I'm kind of out there in terms of I'm a bird, beliefs. the constitutionist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well when people hear something like that, they want to say, like, so you you don't call yourself a conservative in the American sense, no, definitely not. you don't call yourself a Republican, absolutely not. Um, and I don't call myself a Democrat or a leftist or a liberal either. What do you call
3: yourself, Mike? I
1: call myself a third positionist.
3: Third positionist. And great I, party. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I have to clarify this because if you look up what third position is on Wikipedia, they're going to lie about it because Wikipedia. I've never even
3: heard of it before.
1: So third position is <laughs> it's kind of a catch-all term. It's a. It's a. I, it's not. It's not found. It's not one single ideology. So it's a little hard to define. But bear with me. So third positionism is very much a postmodernist thing, and unfortunately, and I was trying to reject this for a while. I don't want any sort of postmodernist thought. But the thing is, I okay. I'm in the world. I'm not a theologian. I'm a historian. I have to accept what the circumstances are in the world that I live. I have to be a postmodernist because that's the society. I live in a postmodern society. So if I want to get back to a traditional society, I have to figure out how to defeat what's in front of me and then how to build up something given this new selection of history of modernism. So third positionism rejects the left-right dichotomy between capitalism and communism, liberalism and socialism and sees the two as just two sides of the same materialist coin. Whereas communism is obsessed with equality and um, the worker, which it actually, of course, isn't as we, as we know, like there's, there's a whole host of problems with, with that, but it's still obsessed with, right. The means of production, give the worker, the means of production Two material concepts. And the flip side is capitalism, which is property rights. It's, you know, you have property right, you have capital, and then you use that capital to make more capital. We reject both. I reject both ideals. Material equality is not the highest good. Material success, material wealth is also not the highest good. It's something else. It's not even in the center of those two. It's on, it's not even in the same sport. It's in a different ballpark. It's so what you have to do is you have to, and it also it also goes back to the IFWP. Who are we? What do we do? How do we do it? Where do we do it? And most importantly, why do we do it? And that why cannot be founded on anything material. It has to be founded on something that's transcendental. It has to be founded on something that goes beyond the cash in your pocket, the you know, the nine to five, your commute, it goes beyond your house and your car and it goes into things like, okay, I want to, everything I do when, you know, when I cut that piece of drywall at work, am I doing it just to get money? No, I'm doing it for the Marion Marian's fathers. I'm doing it so that they have a good living space so that they can bring <clears throat> their souls into God. That's why I'm doing it. That's why I enjoy the work that I do because it's, It's ordered toward that higher purpose. And you can find examples of this in our modern world. So the society and education has to be restructured so that we understand when you're in school, this is not you going to school so that you can get this specific set of accreditation and these specific set of connections so that boom, boom, boom on LinkedIn. Okay, found the job. 70,000 a year plus benefits. Okay. Sign me up within a few years. I'll be making this, this, you know, and it's keep, you know, keep boom, 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 keep moving up. It's not that it's, you're going to learn how to operate within the society in an ordered way. And I know like, I hate, I hate describing it like that because it's such an abstract thing, but we're so far removed from it that I, I can't give any concrete examples because you can't go any, anywhere else because the because the world is so globalized, it's all so just.
2: Let's move to the Jones New Policy stuff. Yes, yes. So, so, so this is a perfect present, thing. Yeah.
1: Well, because they're integralists and integralists so is the number one is thing at their position.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Integral.
1: And sorry, sorry, I got a little. No, no, this is <laughs>
2: this is right to it. Um, yeah. Okay, so what? You, the number one challenge that always gets levied against them is well, I mean. Okay, they like to critique capitalism a lot. Yes, they like to say, you know, here's all these excesses and whatever. But like, what system are they actually wanting to implement?
1: Yeah, that's yeah.
2: It's gotten levied against me. I have a whole rant. I mean, I have like a pff, new so Polity rant. But what exactly what do you think? Is new polity
1: Yeah, you, maybe, you start with that? Yeah, so new Poly, And again, I'm not I'm not <laughs> directly associated with them. I am a subscriber, and um, I have taken classes for Jones, and I've I've read a lot of the articles. And all of that, but I I wouldn't really consider myself I wouldn't consider myself directly a follower of New polity. I like a lot of the stuff that they do, mm-hmm. and of course I have my own critiques. But that's that's Is a, it a podcast. It's, it's it's a it's a it's a it's more or or less collective. a thing. It's it's, it's yeah. a think tank. Yeah, it's a collective. It's it's oh, okay. it's, it's these I think four guys basically, um, plus plus their tertiary editors and and whatnot, who um send out a magazine send up articles online have a podcast and are also do kind of urban revitalization things so so mark barnes heavily involved in in harmonium ruben slife heavily involved in harmonium both also work for new Poly. that's that's the thing i found out i i I remember Mm -hmm. like so i like so like (laughs) You know, does Mark like work full time for, for I was like, no, that's all volunteer. He actually works for New Polly. Huh? You know, that, that kind of surprised me to hear that. So uh, it's, it's a, my understanding of it is it is a, a collective with the express purpose of Catholic integralism and Catholic integralism is a third position, basically getting to that transcendental of a Catholic, state right you know kind of jones's idea of beyond church and state where it's, it's you know don't think about church and state as a separate thing think of them as as one unitative thing where catholics truly faithful catholics integrate into the political discourse and reform it from within and then express that power outwards and that like you know mark barnes running for city council is a perfect example of that even though he's a writing candidate um mm.
2: And then it just becomes putting meat on the bones. because Yeah. So, if you remember the new polity cont- uh, conference, D.C. Schindler's talk, where I, he... I unfortunately did not attend. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah. Uh, this was... It was a... I hope they do another conference. Oh, my gosh. I hope they do another conference. Anyways, D.C. Schindler was asked the question, like, do you consider yourself an, a Catholic internalist? And he says, you know, I, I'm not sure I like the term, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. I was like, I perked up. I was like, okay. And I actually don't, I don't, I wouldn't call myself an integralist. And I wonder, I I wonder about Jones as well, because he said, I think we're getting like we're, we're, we're implying a methodology by saying integralism. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, you're basically looking at like kind of a, a marriage of church and state. Whereas what I think Jones's project, and you correct me if I'm wrong, before church and state is saying the whole idea of replacing one system with another is missing the point. Mm -hmm. That like what a Christian biblical worldview and then like that being integrated into a society, let's say, and not implement. Whereas like people convert, they get baptized, they start believing the biblical worldview as being reality, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, history is not the random succession of empires moving to some whatever, mm-hmm. nor is it a, a narrative of scientific positivism. And this is what you're talking yeah. about with, with postmodern mode. Yeah. Like, it's just hilarious. Like, well, no one really believes, except for maybe some technological people or whatever, like like tech tech elites or whatever, that we're actually progressing to some...
1: Technocrats, yeah.
2: Yeah, to some, like, positivistic Mm -hmm. utopia. Like, and here's the thing, like, liberals and socialists even, like, the classical ones, you know, the liberals are trying to build this perfect, you know, free, individualist society, and the Mm -hmm. socialists are trying to build this, like, perfect equality society. Like, you won't even find people who believe the ideologies anymore like they're not utopians some are the postmodern thing is like we've real we've come full circle to the fact that like no at the end of the day men are still religious you can't cr- craft a purely secular space and no. <laughs> and it's and it's uh it goes back to just power mm-hmm. right which is the reason why it, like jones is not opposed this is where it gets really difficult because it's like the postmoderns at one time are wrong, but at the other time they're pretty good at deconstructing the secular and deconstructing like the the uh, liberalist project. Because yeah. they're basically saying like, "Look, your whole utopian thing is stupid and it doesn't work out, and like yeah. you just end up with a bunch of you know." Applying it to the education, like, why am I doing this? And it's just like you can't construct a society that's going to have some progress with this, and uh, and so you have. A, like, people like Deleuze and Leotard and Foucault, Derrida, and others.
1: Ugh, Foucault, gosh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, his stuff on Ugh. the disciplinary, like, discipline and punish on, like, the invention of the modern jail system mm-hmm. is very interesting. I, his work on the history of sexuality is extremely misogynistic. And then his stuff on it's power structures.
1: Just, it's also just completely disordered, but yeah. Yeah, his <laughs>
2: stuff on his stuff on power structures. Power. Like has been extremely helpful for my own thought, like proximity and power. That's but
1: the difficulty yeah. is. Oh, I want to say end. something about that. Go but yeah, go.
2: Uh, well, go. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: so something that's that's really frustrating in the American system in particular <laughs> is that, um, I guess in, you know we're we're stuck in this political dichotomy between left and right, between Republican and Democrat. Th- those are the options. If we're yes. if we're being realistic. And the thing is, like, if you vote for someone else, you're wasting your vote, and that's a civic duty. Like you're 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 not taking your civic duty into your hands. And then you have like some priests saying that if you don't vote, that's a sin. Like, like you I I categorically disagree with that. That's yep. that's completely such a stupid, fr- I'm sorry, stupid asinine statement to say that if you don't vote, that's a sin. Because your vote doesn't really do anything, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. Um well more people believe that after 2020, but yeah. Um but Democrat so the Democrat Party, the the liberals, we what we've seen since I've been alive really since since the post-9-11 world, is that this kind of march of just social liberalism and economic liberalism, which is just more free market stuff and more corporations taking you know, making power grabs where now we're in a kind of tech technocratic corporate oligarchy that's staffed by liberal bureaucrats who have been trained at accredited universities um, with all their peer reviewed studies and all of that. Um, So that's one side. And we've we've seen that that march go on. And it's because the left wing side of the American political dichotomy has its agenda. And which is to advance primarily to advance social liberalism. So things like gay marriage, Black Lives Matter, transgenderism, abortion, all that, mm-hmm. all all of these wicked things, and their they understand it in a systemic systemic way. They only see things in a systemic way. That's why they always talk about systemic white supremacy, systemic uh, like Christian oppression or, or whatever, systemic colonization, whatever. They always talk about things in terms of systems and then they systematically dismantle them. The other side, the right, is entirely based in individualism and as such is incapable of viewing anything systemically and is also incapable of, u- of using state power because they see it as a moral evil to do so. That's why, you know, even though the conservative Catholic... Uh, this is why this is really why voting is useless for the conservative Catholic because you know conservative I use that term the term we all understand it to be, um, a, a a Catholic you know if you want the social issues to move away from liberalism to to degress from liberalizing, you have well okay well I can't vote for Democrats obviously because they're just going to progress their plan, so t- okay we'll vote for the Republican but the Republican his Founding ethos, ethos. Excuse me, is using state power is a moral evil because because I don't believe in these in these trans because again it's it goes back to materialism. Yeah. I don't believe in these trans like these these transcendent things. Like okay, I have I have this state power and now I should enact my will, which if I'm properly trained is rightly ordered, right? They get state power and then they say, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm a limited government believer. I cannot legislate these social issues. It's not my place to. And in their minds, that actually makes sense, but they're incapable of viewing anything in anything systemically. They only see individuals. So they're like, well, we should just take it on an individual case by case basis. That's one of the reasons why the abortion issue has been stalled for so long, because Democrat, like the left understands that argument. So they keep throwing what ifs out there, like what if incest, what if rape, what if medical complications and, and you know, medical complications is a whole web. And Republicans are, are just say oh well yeah that's, that's a good point we can't we can't rule on that it really should break down to an individual case by case basis and you get nowhere and then the left when they get elected because the pendulum has to swing when they get elected they just continue their long march along <clears throat> have you yeah. seen that article by Mark Barnes
2: and Jones on abortion Basically, as a sacrament of liberalism. Yes. Have you seen that? It's a yes. brilliant. It's article.
1: a brilliant article, and it gets to the to the fa- to a fact that I forgot I wanted to mention, but I do want to mention. What yep. I going to mention it right now. So, man by nature is religious. Man by nature takes something yes. and makes it his object of worship. And if you're a, if you live in a like in a liberal society, your object of worship is going to be something material, which is wealth, because. In materialistic terms, wealth as an abstract is the highest form of material gain you can get. And that's expressed through different ways, your house and your car, right? So yet yeah, abortion is a materialist construct, at least in the way it is in, in America. You know, I'm not talking about ancient Sparta, where you know we're we're aborting babies because we're a, a kind of utilitarian society that has this warrior ethos that if a baby isn't strong enough to survive and they can't fight they're not they're not any good to us we're not talking about that we're talking about people who have abortions out of convenience who have abortions because they think well i can't I mean, you know we can't pay for a baby right now it's all monetary I mean, exactly yeah. and can you think of like such a more depraved statement than
0: yeah i
1: can't afford to have a child right now yeah. so but i am just going to have consequence free sex and then get an abortion, but of course it's not consequence free, and we've seen that with women who later regret their abortions. We've seen that with, you know, botched abortions and failed abortions. We've seen that with now um, aborted fetuses being used by the by the medical industrial complex for for various sorts of things, and that's another part of the technocratic society. So yeah, so it, abortion is it is a sacrament, mm. and and you kind of you kind of see this, especially I, I like. Sorry. <laughs> um, thinking, thinking too fast for my mouth. <laughs> um, you saw this last summer with the Black Lives Matter riots where, like, they were doing baptisms at that, like, the square that George Floyd was killed at, you know, right next to the baptisms? cup. Baptisms? Yeah, like, the, to the cup foods. And and it's this thing of, like...
3: Like, satanic stuff?
1: No, no, just like, no, like, you know, like a like a black church... You know, like like a just like a, a oh, black yeah, church, yeah, like you know, sure. one, one of those guys, and, oh, okay. and the pastor just comes out and says, like, you know, come on up, and this this is a, this is a holy spot. I'll baptize you, right? So it's it is it, you make something the object of worship, and if you look at how the nation viewed and <laughs> this is gonna this this might get a little controversial. I, I don't want to do anything. We, we, we go love controversy. For, Oh yeah, okay. for it. We love controversy. The na- last summer during the the summer of love and the summer of hate, as I as I like to call it. The nation, both left and right, made George Floyd a religious figure because it was, he, he, he really was like a new Jesus figure, like a new martyr, because the left saw him as everything they, they know in their minds to happen, like systemic racism in police forces, um, in low-income black, black, you know, black societies, Everything, all of their biases were confirmed in one instant that was caught on camera. It was perfect. And then re- Republicans or the right are now in this interesting case of where they are. They're now the Sadducees. They're now the Pharisees. They're trying to disprove like, no, this is like this. Either like it, there was the fentanyl in this in his system or it was, you know, this was the technique that he learned how to use. And, you know, it's a problem with the technique. It's, it's all these things of like, of like trying to, to, to get around it. And, but the point remains that everyone worshiped this guy. And well, I mean, except for like, you know, when I say worship or he, he was, he was a transcendental figure. He, he transcended the, the material world and became an object of worship. And when mm-hmm. something becomes an object of worship, it also becomes a sub, an object of attraction by the people that are caught in that same dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It was way past my time, but I wonder, like, the O.J. Simpson case, you know,
2: like, when, when it was... Oh, like gosh, yeah. yeah. And
1: Rodney King as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the...
2: Yeah. They, they become kind of these, like... I mean, it gets so abstracted from the actual event mm-hmm. where it's just like, now it's, you know... Yeah, and it's and it's not... A whole social...
1: And, of course, the in America. Thing. the yeah. unfortunate thing yeah. is you can't... Go like okay. Let's take the George Floyd thing. You can't look at that. You can't go back to that moment and say okay, is there a problem with the individual police officer? Maybe is there a problem with with this guy who who you know has all of these these problems, both criminal and and health um, and and drug abuse and, and really things like that? Is there a problem there? Maybe is there a problem with the society that specific you know, Minneapolis society that created that? Maybe, but those questions were never seriously addressed. They were kind of talked about on the fringes, but the thing that was addressed is systemic racism, yeah. and it finally happened, and we're gonna go after it, and then burn down all the cities and Chaz in Saturn,
3: <laughs> for some reason. Fun, <laughs> fun. Yeah. I think.
2: Yeah, I was really I, tempted to fly up there and join Chaz, but you know,
3: I, think, I don't uh, know if they'd let me in. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think a big problem, too, and kind of contribute off of that is like. This, our country's history has been built around so much of, there's been so many racial things, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, slavery and other things. It's like, obviously, we're a country of immigrants, right? We're all immigrants. Um, but like, assimilation has always been something that's been at our core, mm-hmm. I think. And when things happen like this, things do point to like, oh, systemic racism and you know elite power. And it's just kind of it's kind of unfortunate on where it's gone. I feel like a lot of these things that happen just kind of like people are singled out. Like people are just automatically canceled mm-hmm. in a lot of the in a lot of ways. And it's yeah. like I don't. I don't even know how you fix that. People get so angry, and it's like we can't even have like a discussion anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like automatically everything turns to rage. Well, I think it was what Mike
2: was pointing out. It's like they're based on individualism, and then the other side is finding some tyrannical power in all things because they're. It's a mix, in my opinion, <laughs> on the liberal side. That, that it's is, a mix of postmodernists who have just. It's a mix of postmodernists who are taking like this um, very. It's almost like a gnostic like. Manic. oh it is i don't very know cool. it's so weird i, I there's say just tyrannical is, power everywhere it is very and you have to like show it it and is then very deconstructed it. yeah it and then on mannequin. the other side there's and then but i mean the nancy pelosi chuck schumer like democrat guys they're just like as they i think are more the bastions of liberalism than a lot of republicans are you know especially with the trump era trump's like the postmodern figure where he's the you know, he was the nineties yuppie of New York who now mm-hmm. represents the, the drug addict in Ohio. It's like it's such a very weird scenario of populism and postmodernism. And like yeah. we're it's uh we're getting to the point where everything's just so confused to where all the discourse regarding like an event like George Floyd is so people talk about, you know, disunity. It's no one believes the what used to be a kind of genuine generally accepted ideology regarding America, regarding her destiny regarding our social, you know, structures and apparatuses and political systems. And, and so it's in that moment. Yeah. that we find ourselves and which possibly could be the moment to where you have a general, like a genuine Christian community, like actual in the midst mm-hmm. of all of it. Can, You know, Jones's next project, um, yeah. A history of the Roman Empire. Well, but like from, from from Christ yeah. to the conversion. Yeah. And then showing how like Christianity <clears throat> was able to spread like it did. And and it's a kind of yeah. There's kind of a Hegelianism to it because it's big
1: point of of those classes.
2: A kind of Hegelianism to it where it's uh the as the Christian communities become a greater and greater threat to the Roman Empire, you get fiercer and fiercer persecutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point where right when you had Diocletian and the Diocletian persecutions and they were just like slaughtering just Christians and stuff. Like a generation after that you have Constantine. And now the whole empire is Christian. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like a breaking point. We're on like the defeated side so far that there's no, you know oh there's no hope. But like
1: anyways. So Alex. Yes. You have done something that maybe you should not have done. You've thrown you've thrown my hobby horse at me,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and I believe me, I'm going to ride that sucker until you tell me to shut up. <laughs> ride it, baby. Go for it. So there's a lot. I hate I hate the phrase. There's a lot to unpack here, but there is a lot to unpack in in that statement that you just made, and also you know something, Kellen. I I wanted to get to when you when you talked about like America being a country of immigrants, and here's the thing that you have to accept about America: one, America is a failed experiment. And here's the thing, the well, here's here's the thing about failed
3: experiment. Well, okay, I wouldn't even call it an experiment. It's
1: just another. What do you? I don't understand. Of,
3: what do we mean by experiment? That doesn't well, okay, make sense. Okay,
1: so here's here's what I mean by this. When I say America is a failed experiment, I don't mean that in like a malicious thing, like America failed, and that's a good thing. Like that's not what I mean. What I mean is America is. Undergoing the same fate that literally every other geopolitical body has gone under since the Sumerians were building ziggurats in Ur, right? So now I'll explain what all this means. So we're a country of immigrants. Yes, we are, but no one can really define what it means to be an American outside of certain legal ideals and a kind of sense of patriotism which doesn't really exist anymore really on both the left and the right and and you can you know say that's unfortunate and you know you know kind of like oh well you know it's a shame no one really cares about the flag anymore like they're burning the flag in street corners and people are applauding <laughs> this yeah. is, we're way beyond that point now man so what you have when you have a and this is the important Portion of this is the this is the part of the IFWP that makes a lot of people uncomfortable is the F. It's the folk, that's the who. It doesn't have to be a specific race, it doesn't have to be a specific ethnicity, but more often than not, that's how it's grouped. The only thing that can surpass that is something religious. That's why, like that's that's why Catholicism is is kind of this but it's not multiracial and it's, I wouldn't even call it multicultural. It's, it's an all encompassing because God wills the diversity of nations and he wills that they all express their, their love and their worship in their own separate cultural ways. That's, that's one of the reasons why like the main goal of the Catholic church is not to just make all humans genetically, racially and ethnically the same. So we can all work. It's not a monolith. It's, you know, God paints a tapestry of many colors and that tapestry is expressed by different people in different places. But the problem is in America, we don't have that. We don't have that transcendent idea that is at the center of our ethos. And so like when we say, what does it mean to be an American? You don't know, you know, we, we don't know. And I, I, I posited a hypothetical to um, one of my friends from school. Who's a, a Mexican national actually, no, she's not, sorry. She's not a Mexican national. She lives in Southern California, but she has several mm. family members in Mexico and goes to Mexico several times a year. And I asked her, are you an American? She said, yes, because legally she's, you know, she's a nationalized citizen. She was born in somewhere in LA area. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I, some conservative my refueless to be like, yeah, as much as that ain't America. And that plays exactly into my point. So the hypothetical I posed to her is, okay, do you consider yourself an American? Yes. Do you consider yourself a Mexican? Yes. Okay. So you might say Mexican, American, but Mexican, Mexican is a very specific thing. And the, and the hypothetical I posed to her was, let's say I, me, Michael Arabs, Greek, German, Irish, Czech. Uh, fourth generation American you know, so I'm I've, my family's been here a while I'm as American as it gets baby yes you are <laughs> I'm, I'm as, I'm uh, as American as American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so the thing I the thing I said was let's say I go I move to Mexico and I don't even move to Mexico City I move to a rural area and I learn to speak the language with all of the local regional mm-hmm. dialectic yeah. intricacies and I worship at a Mexican church and I marry a Mexican. And you know we have Mexican children. And I participate in the Mexican economy. And all, all of these things. But my past stays the same. Am I Mexican? The answer, of course, is no. And that's the answer she immediately gave. And so... I don't want to get too much into that, but I wanted to use it as a point. So, like, what does it mean to be an American? Well, there's not really a definition. There's not a definition that you can lay out.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's a point that can be, can be argued. But for the sake of this, I'd like to move forward. And So, America is now a collection of a multitude of different identities across a geographical space. Ruled by a decadent elite. It's an empire. It's 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 a textbook. It's a textbook empire. When did it become an empire? Oh, after the Civil War. Um, after the Civil War, yeah.
3: yeah. After, the,
1: after the Civil yeah. War, because I, that's that's yes. the first instance where you had, I think, if
3: elite power, you had, you
1: have elite power enacting its will, regardless yeah. of moral good. It's this yeah. is what we want. We're going to do it and bringing and making sure a culture that wanted to separate from it was not allowed to separate from it. Well, that's
3: what was so... uh, um, like, important about the Confederacy was they were tired of the elite. They wanted Mm -hmm. to separate, and that kind of plays into that general idea of, okay, there's not just one elite now, there's two. Eventually, comes back to one elite, but it's kind of that idea of separation.
1: People don't understand... About the Civil War, this is one thing that frustrates the hell out of me with the Civil War, is that the South had their own elite problem. They had their own decadent uh, arist- um,
3: aristocratic, uh, aristocratic. Oh my gosh, Jefferson arist- Davis, baby, well, aristocratic. Well, at least you know, you're not in it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, <sorry.
1: laughs> well, I'm I from Virginia. Yeah,
3: but I, Virginia. No, no, no. I'm Wait fly- a
1: minute. I'm I'm from like the portion of. That south of the Mason Dixon line that really should be the furthest north of the Mason Dixon okay, line. God. It does not get more, more anti-Confederate in Virginia than where I live. Really? So, yeah, but S- so the south was having its own its own problems with its own aristocratic elite, mm-hmm. and there's ways to solve mm-hmm. that internally because the majority of slaves were not owned by your average pick white. They're owned by an elite class that, you know, the the gentry. And so there's, it actually breaks down really, really nicely into quarter pies. So you have three quarters of that pie of white Americans living in the South, own zero slaves. A quarter, so, and then a, a large sliver of that last quarter, I don't remember the exact percent, but they own one to four. And then you have a much smaller sliver that owns somewhere between five and 15. And then there's a really, really tiny sliver, less than a fraction of 1% that owns 50 or more. And that is who, That when we're talking about like the, the Civil War was a fight to end slavery, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about a problem with the decadence of an aristocratic elite who's Desire for material wealth, again, living in a liberal society because it was still under the constitution of gaining of material wealth and like, okay, slavery is an option for us. Let's use it. Um, and you can argue there's, there's some racial dynamics there. I don't want to get into that because it's, it's a muddied issue. Um, and can potentially become an They would
2: enslaved poles. They would have
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly, and like
2: you know, as, as a lot of cultures have enslaved poles. Yeah, as and like
1: slaves, what, like what do you think happened to the to the Christian kingdoms of the Levant? Now, they, in the now East I also should the, not yeah. neglect
2: the fact that they. No, just, we're just not, like we're everyone not. thought the you know the, the ones who enslaved the poles thought they were you know subhuman and whatever. They also thought that about.
1: We're you know, we're not neglecting. but so here's the point <clears> to to bring it back to what's going on with the American Empire. So the South the secedes, North decides we don't want you to secede, and we have this kind of materialistic idea that we don't want you to, sec- to secede. So even though it is your desire to do, to separate from us, we're not going to allow that. And that's why my state for um, a few years was referred to as Military District 1, instead of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So that is, I think, where the American empire began when it started, when it had a completely separate large separate culture within it and it's only expanded out from there so america being a country of immigrants the problem with a country of immigrants is you know you can have that melting pot but the thing is what happens when the ingredients don't want to melt over time they eventually do um and and that's the goal but (laughs) so here's here's the kind of um here's the kind of the, the accelerating critical mass that's heading, which is going to happen first. Are all the ingredients going to melt together or is the stove going to explode? Because you've had, you've had the heat on so hot for so long that you're just going to burn your house down. And that is what we have. Or you're making a terrible pot of something, you know, it just doesn't, it
3: doesn't. Yeah. Everything's
1: going to be burned and charred and taste terrible. It's more like you take all the
2: ingredients and turn it into water. It's just like, you know, it's some type of, like, magic potion. Well, yeah,
1: because you've taken in all of these, so, like, cultures that are completely foreign to one another in so many ways.
2: And you told them, abandon your cultural practices in favor of liberalist kind of anti culture.
1: Yeah, like, hey, Sikhs, your religion, your now highest motivator is the accumulation of wealth. Hey, Muslims, accumulation of wealth. Hey, Italians. Ethnic, ethnic Poles, ethnic Italians. Hey, You know, Chinese and uh, Chinese are a perfect example because when, (laughs) um, you know, do you want to know why there are like seven Chinese restaurants in every town in America? Why is that? Because when Chinese immigrate to America and they go through China, you know, the the Chinese process, the, you know, the Chinese government will tell, has a list of towns that do like the number of Chinese restaurants in each town and will say, okay, if you, unless you're here for like some type of specific thing. If you want a job that's going to pay well and you're going to be able to support your family and just live out a fine life, this town only has four Chinese restaurants. So come go on. there and make a fifth.
3: But like, come on.
1: I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. The wait, hell wait. You wait. Who tells that? That? The Chinese government China. or would well, you like look Chinese this up? <laughs> Just Google, man. I I I don't I don't know how much that happens anymore, but I I I I would I Damn, I, I was saying again get in China, China garden tonight
3: now. Uh, <laughs> dude, Chinese food sounds so good. China
1: garden oh, is pretty good, yeah. China, yeah. Chinese food is, like, simply
3: good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, because he puts so much, like, well, it's but, so sweet. And but it's
1: he, also I, so he, salty. Here, 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 here's the thing, and, like, what is Chinese culture in America boiled down to? It has nothing Chinese to do food. with... with <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It, is, <laughs> it has nothing
1: to do with Confucianism. Uh, it has nothing to do with Buddhism. It has nothing to do with a... People and a culture that has existed for over 4,000 years. Yeah, dude. Like the first Chinese empire was established around the same time that the Minoans were like, hey, why don't we get off this island? Right. Why don't we get out of Crete? Like that's that's around the same time that the Chinese organized their first empire. <laughs> like, like this is a people that is, has survived so long. And what is the and how is it viewed in America? General so chicken. and it's like how terrible this sucks this sucks that this culture that is so rich and you know you can disagree with their theological like you can disagree with their I in their IFWP you can disagree with their I that is the right of every other culture to disagree with another culture's I you can disagree with Confucianism you can disagree with Buddhism you can now disagree with you know Chinese communism although it's, it's more like just nationalism with a communist face and a capitalist yeah. Brand, oh yeah it's
0: all you know, yeah. yeah
1: so you can disagree with all of that but you cannot take that and just boil it down to this this stupid thing <laughs> that's chinese yeah. food that's Fair. so yeah. so to 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 continue with the american empire so you now have all these different ethnic groups all these different cultures in america that are clearly not assimilating to whatever the american ethic is which is accumulation of wealth and they they, well in a way they kind of are assimilating but they're just not assimilating in a way that is that promotes a stability for the future and this is exactly what you had what you had in rome so rome is facing all these barbarian invasions
0: so it's like wait it's on
1: the you're 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 a new legion congratulations you're a legion now go fight the britons and they're like okay pay us more money than you actually pay your own legionnaires (laughs) <laughs> and, and, then, yeah. and then, of course, all the internal problems where you have – where, again, you have a parallel society in, in the early church kind of destroying the traditional pagan Roman society from the inside, and you have these threats from outside. It's the same thing that you have in America. You have all of these parallel societies. And what do I mean by parallel society? <laughs> speaking directly into the microphone. Now. Do it. Yeah. What do you mean by, a par- what do I mean by a parallel society? I mean, a society that is not concerned with what is going on with society at large. Like, like when we think of America, right? So that right left economy, the government, whatever, a society that is not concerned with that and is by and large, independent of that, despite for all intents and purposes, being within it, so they're they're running parallel to each other, never intersecting, mm. and and that's kind of that's kind of the goal of third positionism is in America is that we want to build a parallel society to America, but we don't want to intersect because anytime you intersect with what the American ethic is, then you get people, um, be you know engaging in acts of usury, then you get people engaging in acts of pornography and and and, and all this other stuff and you get what the german bishops are doing right now where it's something what was it like 160 of them heretics again against 30 yeah i mean there's there's not another word for it and that's another case of western liberalism failing because it's it's intersecting too much well it's a it's a case of catholicism failing because it's intersecting too much with liberalism
0: mm. and
1: th- and that's one of the big problems with the modern church is yes. if, if i can say oh. it, if i can say it in a quote in an effort to bring the church, the world to the church, the church has instead brought itself to the world. And it's intersecting with all of these things that it should not be intersecting with it. And it's getting destroyed. So we have in America this inter- these vast internal conflicts. You see it in the electoral politics. You see it in the school board meetings now with all the CRT stuff going on. You mm-hmm. see it with like covid now, it is, has become yeah. a, like, are you are, you, are you mask or are you no mask? Like, what's your opinion? Are you vax or no vax? What's your opinion? But you also have the outside stuff. So what's going on in the exterior? You have Russia trying to find its national identity still, on, you know, only about, well, exactly 30 years removed from the fall of the Soviet Union. And now they're becoming, you know, there's a bunch of problems with Russia, but they're becoming a very, we are russia and we project a nationalist image of ourselves with a strong Orthodox Christian foundation. One of the biggest youth movements in Russia—I forget the name of it—but if, if if you look up Russian Orthodox youth movement, you'll see a bunch of people in red shirts with a white cross on them. This—it's—and it's—we're gonna
2: one, get them on the podcast, dude. <laughs> Talk to a Russian young <laughs> like Orthodox
1: bro. But dude, it's massive. On. It's yeah. massive. Like if you ever see like some of these nationalist marches in places like Poland, like have you seen the ones in Poland? I've seen them in Poland, flares. Yeah. They've got like tens of thousands of people. Yep, and I yep. think the only march that can compare to that in America is the pro-life march. Yep. We just like, we just don't have a unifying ethic. And and then the other one is China. So mm-hmm. China is, you know, kind of, they're expanding their own interests. There, there are a bunch of problems internally with China as there are with all countries, but they're, they want to project power outwards. Mm. America, as shown with the recent failure in Afghanistan, is failing to project power outwards. America Mm -hmm. is starting to see itself be be more less and less on, yeah, it's starting to see a decline. It's starting to enter into a collapse, which, man, I'm riding that hobby horse right now. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Keep going. So so these, these are the facts that we have to accept. America, one, is an empire. And empires are always doomed to fail because eventually they overplay their hand and they expand they expand too far out where their internal resources just dissolve. And they try to bring in too much of the world to themselves. And as a result, the world kind of eats them from the inside. And you also have the exterior factors. So, you know, the Chinese might be... You know, we are to, you know, we are to the the Chinese are to us as the Huns are to Rome. Whereas we as Catholics are to the American elite as the early church was to the Roman oh elite. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> you know, for me, like the height of the American empire was
2: like just a little after like, yeah, it was Vietnam era, like Kennedy and then uh, like tail ending and Reagan. And then I think after we did the the Gulf War stuff oh, yeah. and stuff started to go downhill where people were just like, I think it was when, when Bush Jr. Well, well, even with Bill Clinton, like the opening of the American financial companies to China, like like direct foreign oh, investment. Outsourcing, yeah. It direct foreign investment.
1: Destroyed American it, it manufacturing. Turned, it turned yeah.
2: Wall Street into like totally engrossed in Chinese market. That to me was the crushing Because right after communism ended, there was like no justification for liberalism to be the overarching ideology of the world. Because at that point, it was like, okay, well, now we're in global capitalism. And when Bill Clinton allowed financial elites to throw direct foreign investment into Chinese companies, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we're in the global market. Oh, who's going to be the market player? Oh, yeah, the the country with a billion people. Yeah. That also, all their people are like you know this old school Confuci- Confucian stuff. They're not individualist, and so you can convince no. them to
1: work in factories. Oh my gosh! And, and, that's, they're, and they're like robots. And that's, like,
2: and like that's, they're oh going to conquer. They, they've already conquered. Like they've already won. So that's that's like, the like, whole we're, point. We're, and now we're a dying culture. So
1: that's the whole point. That you need that eye. You need that thing that unifies your yep. people. And we had no antithesis. We
2: after communism, there was no antithesis. And, it was like total like. We don't stand for anything at this point. And
1: the worst part is because of the materialism.
2: because are like Caligula or something, you know.
1: <laughs> but because that I is the accumulation of wealth, you now are in this situation where people, where Americans, and again, what does that mean? Well, the the legal definition of American, where you have Americans who their big their big thing is I make money. You know what do I do? I make money, and they're doing it at the expense of their fellow americans and more often than not at the benefit of of someone who's not (laughs) their 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 fellow man uh their their kinsmen even you know that's the thing in america there's zero concept of kinsmen and you know to to bring it back to to, um, catholic studies the Tolkien class oh my gosh like the amount of like importance that is placed on kinfolk and kinsmen and having yeah. a kin yeah. that you feel called to fight for and in America you you're not allowed to have that if you even say if you even say the word, the word white or acknowledge that white as a people exists you're called a supremacist it's and and it's it's completely it's it's not a like this this is something like that frustrates me again with the Republican party is like when we're, you know there's this big debate going on about CRT it's not. Wait, explain that. What's CRT? So CRT is it's critical race theory. So it's. Oh, critical yeah, yeah. race theory. Sorry, okay. sorry. Yeah. Um. So there's this big debate going on in schools that basically in in schools, white kids are being taught to hate themselves for being the ancestors of colonizers, and what? everyone else is being what? taught that they are oppressed. <laughs> they are oppressed, and therefore they should receive all these social benefits. Oh. And that this is actually an ordered system. So, and this is where that accumulation of wealth ethic is actually decreasing. And now I, I don't have a better word. I would really love a better word than wokeness. But that's, that's, that's the ethnic, the ethnic, there you go. Little slip. Little, little, little appropriate slip of the tongue. The ethic that is, is now subsuming wealth accumulation. Because now they're also like you know um, race sensitivity seminars where like someone will go to one of these accredited universities and get a degree in racial theory and then make 500000 a year teaching racial seminars to Fortune 500 CEOs because they don't want to get canceled.
0: Postmodern. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's so postmodern.
2: Exactly. Did you, did you see the video of the... You remember the lady doing yoga in front of the... Uh, it was Bangladesh where they were having the... <laughs> Wait, did you see this?
1: I I think You know I what did. I'm talking about? I, yeah, yeah. Explain it because yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, so... Because I see so much crazy crap. But I'm <laughs> well, not actually I'm sure. sure. It was,
2: I think it was... Oh, I don't think it was Bangladesh. It, no, I maybe it was. It was one of those like Southeast Asian countries. Yeah. So they had a coup, like a military coup, where the military oh, general one? like <laughs> overtook the government. Plus, <laughs> here's oh, the thing: classic. There goes, was there was a lady who was live streaming a dance, like dancer size stuff. And in the background, oh, I remember was the this. Parliament.
3: I remember the, this. Yeah, in the background, oh god, was I seen Parliament. This video.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! So
2: she's dancing, and it's like the, you know all the. You make a know right then, now that after the yeah, off, you show me yeah, this video. Yeah, absolutely. And then she's dancing and stuff. And then in the background, all these military vehicles pull up, and it's the coup. <laughs> 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 and they take over the government.
0: And she's sitting there, just like yeah, she's got a mask
2: on. It was 2014. Like, oh my god! It was so postmodern. It was like. Like, yeah, you can just continue with your exercise and just jazz it out. The government's just getting taken over.
1: That that reminds <laughs> me of, um, from last summer, that video of this, this like, CNN news reporter who's being yeah, appropriately yeah, yeah, masked up, and, and he's... <laughs> Do you have it? Please. Yeah, here you go. Let's go.
2: <laughs> so, for for our viewers, she's, uh... She's dancing and stuff. She's, well, like, just,
1: doing some Zumba stuff. Anyways, she's... <laughs>
2: <laughs> so right here, so right here, those are the guys going for the coup. They're going through the blockade to take over the government. <laughs> this is the exact moment. <laughs>
3: Oh god,
2: So I mean I mean I'm completely speechless except for one statement. I wish that were me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's having a great time.
3: Oh
0: god. Come
3: on, oh, man. Man. Come on.
2: It's, just, it's so absurd. No, but I mean like we've been so alienated from oh like actual god. political discourse. I was gonna say yeah. that
1: that reminds me of um like the that um this, this CNN news report last year during the riots <laughs> and he's and this guy's in front of a of a burning uh, like car sale, like car dealership, car park. Yeah, and it has and like so it's burning. Everything's burning. The building, all the cars is in flames. And like you know those little billboards they have with the letters you can stick in. It says Black Lives Matter. And this guy and this guy's talking. <coughs> to me. He says, "Um, the these are mostly peaceful protests with some burning behind me." <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's just it's literally political theater. I just like- I don't. Like I don't know how I, I like to feel that I have my fingers on the pulse of what's going on. I don't know how I'm not insane. <laughs> like it's it's no wonder this is another thing that liberalism has caused. It's no wonder that. Um, so my for context, my girlfriend is a um, trauma therapist and counselor. Um, wow. in, in in the Ohio Valley kind of area, so you can imagine all the things that she she deals with. So things like. Anxiety, depression, ADHD, all these like mental issues that weren't ever really known about or categorized until like the 1960s. Um, And like anxiety and depression and like like, inability to focus. These are things that people have struggled with throughout all of human history. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But there were healthy and appropriate ways to deal with them. Now what's used to deal with them? Opiates, drugs. Like, yep. you know, you you don't, we don't fix the wound. We treat the pain, you know, it's, and, and of course, what's the, what's the unifying ethic behind that? All these corporations making money hand ah, over fist. Yeah. Purdue
2: ha, have you looked into like the Sackler family? And, I was going like, to bring up Purdue oh Pharma.
1: Yeah. So Purdue Pharma run by the Sackler family, Purdue Pharma, makers of uh, Oxycontin, oh, my gosh. Um, which we are in you know, r- radio free Steubenville, Ohio, you know, broadcasting from the epicenter, well, not the epicenter, but like from one of the epicenters of the the American drug culture. And, and I always, I, I, you know, it's kind of a, a sad thing, but when I would go back home to Nova and I would it kind of explain what Steubenville was like once you get off campus, I say it's actually, well, one, it's very racially diverse and it's actually... There's a lot of racial unity because it's all centered around drugs. The blacks kill each other over the drugs, and the whites kill themselves with the drugs. And both are completely terrible. Damn. And like if you think about that statement for a second. It's awful. And that is it the is. fruits of nah, that, it's like crazy. Like you like, um, we're on we're on Kendall Avenue right now. Not yep. the dox you guys, but like <laughs> you know like well, like
3: oh it's a show
1: some of some of the you know like some of the places I work we we were working on a duplex on Pennsylvania Avenue um, I I have I really to drive love. I have to drive on Ridge to get back to my house you lived on Ridge, live right on Ridge right yeah, yeah. I and I and I live on Euclid so like we there's an alley that separates um, where I live and where you used to live and it's just it it I think if I wasn't so numb to it I would cry every time I I drove home. You know it's it's that what, bad. What do you
3: what do you hear? I mean, what's well, happening? I
1: mean, what like the, just things I see, just like people doped up in the street. You know, pe- oh, right. pe- people just like just general vagrancy. <clears throat> people walking around with just va- vacant expressions. There's mm. there's nothing going on, and and this is these are the fruits that liberalism has wrought. It's we're going to outsource manufacturing, so now there's like I don't know how many steel plants on this river that used yep. to be like a gone. crucial lifeblood vein of America yeah. that are just gone because they've all been outsourced to China because it's cheaper because we gotta make wealth what do I do baby I make money and but there's no action without consequences and you know we, we're we upstairs on the on the third floor and we can look outside and we can see <coughs> the consequences right out of the window here mm-hmm. yeah. so so yeah and, and here's the thing those opiates oxycon, that was pushed heavily. That was, they were over prescribed. They were over pushed. And like, that's the thing. Like you ever see a medical advertisement where, you know, at the end it's like, ask your doctor about whatever, you know, medication, (laughs) you know, like don't, don't think of that as a, Oh, maybe this is something that can help me think of that. That is a company that's trying to make money off of prescribing you. you. And it's Mm -hmm. for something you
2: probably don't need, but you're, you're asking, the whole like, concept of ask your doctor. Like, yeah. just, if you sit and
1: think about it. like, Well, and this, this is the thing. is like American medicine is a is a subscription service. It's like, it's like HBR or Netflix, you know, every, you know, I need, I need to go get my pills. I, you know, I go to CVS and I pay my subscription fee. And I, I really, I've, I've never been medicated. Um, I did have, I actually, and this is, this is the thing. It's pushed so much in society. Um, I, I have I tend towards ADAD or ADHD or whatever whatever that's called. You know, I, I kind of bounce around a lot.
3: Attention deficit. Attention sort of, deficit. I had yeah. it too. I'm, I'm like all over yeah, the and place, I, focusing and, on different things. And so. I have
1: nothing like I, of course nothing against people that are medicated and especially like people who need to be medicated. I understand that that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about people who are being medicated and don't need to be. And that that's just that is a crime. That's a travesty. And the thing is I I've, I graduated college and I'm pursuing a master's without getting medicated for ADHD, but it was, I, I distinctly remember in middle school, I had multiple teachers go to my parents and say, you really should get Michael to a doctor. You need to get him on, on Adderall prescriptions and all this stuff. And it's like, so that's like one little small example. Now think of that on a mass scale. And it's just another facet of that collapse of that downward shift and so I I want to I want to bring it back to what's going on with the American Empire and and because because the because con- there's a conclusion and then follow up statements so. Um, the, the the American Empire. We have to accept that we're that we're living in essentially a failing, decaying, collapsing empire. And I have the Callan Alex show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no baby. <laughs> um, and and I, I there's there's another quote I really like to describe it. Is that um? <laughs> and this this might be a little offensive to some of our more patriotic listeners. America <laughs> is a corpse being consumed by mag- maggots, mm, and shite. Republicans. Not <laughs> the Cali Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> Republicans are rooting for the corpse, and Democrats are rooting for the maggots.
3: Holy cow! I have to put this in my brain for a second.
1: <laughs> think think think. That
3: me. is hilarious. Take, 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 Wait, Is that original
1: couple... or is that uh... no? That's not original. Okay, that's not original. No, <laughs> I wish so a I were back
2: to our discussion
1: yeah but um that's so that is really funny. so like get like and I, i'm not i'm not like saying like you have gotta get this here but like get it in your head that that is like the fact that i can make that statement and you can't say that's you know that's completely ridiculous yeah you, you say like well yeah he's kind of right and when i heard that statement i i didn't go well, that's so completely ridiculous i think i saw it on twitter like two years ago sure i don't even know i don't even know who to attribute it to
2: that beautiful place
1: called twitter yeah Rest in peace after everyone to the right of Nancy Pelosi has been deplatformed, right? (laughs) Um, so, but I remember seeing that quote, and I, I, you know, like this was the first I, I I can't, I don't remember the time nor the place, but I remember that that was the moment where I was like, I really got to research this American decline and American collapse stuff because I read that quote and I thought yeah they're kind of right because all my dissatisfaction with the Republican Party which I've, I've been canvassing for the Republican Party since I was in elementary school like I remember going door to door with my dad with John McCain flyers I remember seeing Sarah Palin speak at um, the like inter, like interstate moving company uh, headquarters which is you know like a mile down the road from where I lived um, <clears throat> to, so like from that point to where we are now
0: If there's a Christian religion, then it's Catholicism. It sound like short round. I always, <laughs> Pardon the interruption. Alright, I, always, yeah, I always, sorry.
1: Yeah. I always feel weird about talking about uh like Andrew. Like I don't know what to call him. He's you know he's my professor, but I also feel Good like old I,
2: Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Shout like, out
1: to you. Anytime yeah. I say Dr. Jones, I feel like I'm short round from Temple of Doom, going, Hi
2: right, Dr. Dr. Okay, Dr. Jones. Okay, Dr.
1: Jones. You
2: know. Um, yeah. John John's, John actually made a uh, a photoshop of Andrew <laughs> Jones on on Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones? Yes. nice. I'll show you it sometime. Yeah. Please,
1: please do. So, so so that okay, so American Empire. Mm-hmm. So get you know, understand that you're living in a collapsing, decaying empire. A corpse. A corpse with a maggots, maggots on a it. A corpse, you could say, with with several maggots on it. Um, and those maggots do rear their ugly heads. And those maggots are things you have to contend with. You know, those are things like you know, Nice.
0: (laughs) The hegemony of the state. Very nice. (laughs) That's that's our professor.
1: (laughs) Dr. Jones and the hegemony of the state. God bless. God
0: bless. I I
2: want to get a poster of it. I
1: haven't yet. You should get a big big movie poster. I bet you could sell it on campus. Mm -hmm. But only like five. The problem is no one knows who he is. The five people who knew who he is would buy it. (laughs) But anyway. That that guy needs to get out, out there and like, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The so, point. We'll so, back on so you're, so basically here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing that you have to understand. You got to understand this guys. Game. All right. So to bring back how this relates to Rome, we are a new iteration of the early church. We are living. I, you know, I have, I've get on. I've been thinking about starting a blog. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. I've been th- I've been thinking about starting a blog and the main kind of concept around it would be America in the catacombs. So, I take like that. the Roman catacombs. Now, now they're <laughs> now they're saying like so we we kind of there's kind of this um, unspoken thing that in the early church in Rome, the catacombs were this place where Christians would kind of hide away from authorities, perform their sacrifices in secret. It's a con it's now like a big secular historian thing to say, well, that didn't really happen. They were performing their sacrifice for everybody else. They just went down there to bury their dead. the analogy still works. We have to bury America. We have to understand that the Constitution, the Declaration, the Bill of Rights, all these things that like we were brought up as you know conservative-minded people to believe are, you know, we cherish them. You know, I cherish the Constitution. It's a liberal document. <laughs> and we have to bury it. And and that's a tough thing to say, and that's a tough thing to grapple with. And I understand that because that's that's something I like I started thinking about this stuff back in like 2017, 2018. So like and I'm still grappling with it. And, you know, and and that doesn't seem like a long time. That's basically my entire college experience has been grappling with this concept of everything I was taught to believe in outside of Catholicism <laughs> is basically fundamentally wrong and fundamentally disordered and is contributing to a lot of problems in our society. So how does this relate to the early church? What are we doing in the catacombs? So we as you know Catholics as true Catholics we are in the catacombs and we have to understand you know we are hiding from authorities. We are performing our sacrifices in secret. We are burying our dead. We are burying the parts of the, you know parts of the past that we can move forward. But that's not to say that we're abandoning them. Because when you bury someone you don't abandon them. You recognize that they are a model to be followed. And this is where looking towards the future comes in. So I plan on having children. And I think you guys plan on having children. Someday. Yeah, brother. <laughs> I can't wait. Right? So what kind of world are we looking at for our children? What kind of world are we looking at for our grandchildren? <coughs>
2: uh Corpse with magic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's not a corpse. It's not the maggots. It's a newborn babe filled with joy and filled with life. And the thing is, we can't just expect that newborn babe to, you know, come into existence. We have to make it. And that's what building a parallel society is about. That's the third position. That is that is taking, it's, it's looking at the left, it's looking at the right, and seeing that they are just flesh marionettes and pushing past both of them. You can't go over. You can't go under. You can't go around. It's too big. It's too immense. It's too massive. You know, like, a Catholic theocrat is not going to be elected president. And that office doesn't even really have as much power as the Trump presidency showed. You know, we're not going to have just this mass conversion all of a sudden. Um, and, like, all these Hispanic immigrants coming in, they're not going to turn Catholicism into a Catholic theocratic state because a lot of them worship Santa Muerte. And all these Haitians now coming over the border, same thing as well. There's a lot of voodoo worship as well. So they're, you know, two new cultures that are now, you know, into the empire. So what do we do? We build a society apart. We become a people apart. We don't. We have to put ourselves in a situation where... Once, so like when, when we talk about an empire failing, people think like starvation and war, like, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, perhaps yeah. pestilence, war, famine, What's <clears> the fourth, just dead. I guess we're dead. Yeah. So we want to avoid those things. We want to avoid those things coming to us because if they do, then we're part of the corpse. The more we, and again, the more we intersect with American society, the more, better chance we have of being the corpse and not the newborn babe. So, mm. and this is the thing I would, I would encourage everyone. Um, if you want to take some action in your life, dear listener, um, don't remove yourself from, don't remove yourself to a degree where you don't understand what's going on. Cause if you don't understand what's going on, you can be taken unawares, but do not rely on, the American system. And this is a tall, tall order because think about all the things that we rely on. We rely on highways. We rely on grocery stores. We rely rely on cell phone towers. And the thing is, as as the American empire starts to kind of crumble, these infrastructures are going to go as well. There were Romans back in the day saying, the aqueducts will never collapse. You know, they're aqueducts. That's how we get our water. What happens if no one's there to maintain them? Or what happens when the people who are there to maintain them weren't put there because they're skilled at maintaining them, but because they, you know, had the right connections or, or whatever, or they went to the right accredited universities and got the right degrees, but they didn't actually learn, okay, how do I maintain these cell towers? And so when stuff like that starts to happen, you start to see that noticing, and we're already seeing it with the supply chain issues. You know, people... The supply chain issues with all these ships docked off the you know the port. A lot of it has to do with COVID. But oh, I
3: heard about this. This yeah, go yeah. Go, go.
1: I don't want to ramble on. Um, so much.
3: I, I I don't really know anything about it. I just saw it. But what 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 exactly is going on? So, I heard there was the White House, um, talked with yeah, the Port of LA, Port of LA, and LA yeah. They're kind of, there's all these supply ships coming in. What's going on? They're
1: opening that? it for uh twenty. They're opening the Port of LA for twenty four seven operation. I saw that. Yeah. Which was highly the, unusual. So why are they doing that? So they're doing that because they're in a state of crisis, and so like you know your Amazon two day Prime shipping, since bro I live on it. <laughs> well, since the pandemic, you still see two day Prime every now and then, but it's become like a three day, four day, five day.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: ordered a planner off a you know third party site, and it took three weeks to arrive. I ordered a book. Like a cookbook for Helena, and it was the order was canceled three times without me getting notified, and you know, and and couldn't get any answers out of the representative. And you might just say, well, that's just a problem with systems, you know, and, and that happens. But people are reporting this kind of this kind of stuff the whole time. Meat prices are rising. Um, gas prices. Man. Are rising. They're all over the place. I I can't remember the last time. Like I know it. It ha- It's happened this past year. The last time it was under three dollars. It's been on. I think. I I think I saw two eighty seven.
3: I I it is. It fluctuates. Been a lot. It does. It
1: does. It, it is all over the place. But for the past for a while now, it's, it's been, been. It's, it's been, been a
3: dollar up.
1: It's been plus. pretty. It's yeah. been pretty. You know, consistently $2. above.
3: It's been two dollars up.
1: Three dollars. Well, and both of you, you know, mm-hmm. California. <clears throat> <laughs> I know, it's like $4.50. I was, yeah, I was, I was talking like to Paul and he was yeah. saying like, yeah, $5 or something. Yeah, totally. like so, <laughs> so like little, little things like that, you're, you're, you know, and inflation as well. You're starting to see your dollar is not going as far as it used to go, yeah. you know, and, and all of these things are kind of these aspects of collapse because collapse is not like, okay, boom, done. Okay. The collapse has happened now. Time to restructure and and I will I will get back to the Port of LA thing and how and how this happened and and how this that plays into this. Collapse is something that happens very slowly, very gradually for a long, long period of time. And then all at once. And then like it's it's like, okay, Rome's kind of declining, Rome's kind of declining, Rome's kind of declining. Okay, now the city's on fire. You know, it's it's it's, yeah. it's 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 not an exact it's not an exact science, which is what makes it so fascinating to study. Mm. But it is a, it is something where, you know, we, you know, we're all young, you know, younger guys. I'm, I'm 24. I think Alex, you're you're 24, 23, 23, 23, 24. Yeah. American collapse in the ways that people think about a collapsed empire might not happen in our lifetimes. Um. <clears throat> so how does so you have to understand this is a this is a thing that is going to happen for a long long time and that's why we need to take action now to prevent when when Rome does burn that our progeny are not that we
2: have a community there. to be with
1: exactly okay exactly
2: give me the, exactly okay to round this up yes give me the student bring me there get yeah, you to though. bring me into the studentville like why you came back. Why did yeah. you leave what what you described as being kind of a, I mean, it was like a good
1: yeah.
3: school and it, experience. And it's
1: interesting because unfortunately I'm going to sound a little bit like a hypocrite because I probably will not be staying in Stu that much longer. But that also might not be a temporary thing.
3: Unleash the Arabs voodoo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> well, so um, but it's, it's, it's it's entirely for personal reasons. It has nothing to do with anything economic or, or anything. Okay. Uh, Mostly um, because my, my girlfriend is from Cleveland, and we're you know, thinking about. We, Dude, what's not, with all
3: the hot chicks being from Cleveland? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
3: Okay,
1: continue. But but like you know, we're we're in the situation where neither of my parents are from um, where we lived in Northern Virginia. Mm. So, and I'm also an only child. So my hope was wherever. I end up living, my parents would come with me and I can kind of have them as a, you know, a, a community backbone as well for, for my sure. own personal family. Cause of course I have to work, Yeah. you know, I have to work and economically we're not in a situation where, you know, God, God willing I get married. Yeah, please. Um, I'm we're struggling n- with it too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, like economically it's very tough for, you know, for a for for a parent to stay home, and so the it is, yeah. the idea is like you know both both sets of parents, at least when we start when we start our family, have that situation. But Steubenville, more so, just a Catholic community. I want to live in a Catholic community. That's you know that that's that's why this this decision is this decision is tough. And I I do you know when when Elena and I talk about this, it's very much like. We don't we don't discuss it in like well this makes the most economic sense this makes the most practical sense or whatever it's where is God pushing us where is God pointing to us and I think the thing with Steubenville is God works in your life in ways that you really do not understand so that lacrosse season bring it back to the beginning <laughs> that that lacrosse season did not go how I wanted it to. Stuff with household, that did not go how I really expected it to go. Um, Stuff with, you know, what, you know, jobs I might potentially do, that did not go at all how I expected it to go. Um, Continue with a master's degree, that's not going how I expected it to go. But what was the thing? It got me back to Studentville. It's put me in a position where um, the, you know, the, Person I'm in my my girlfriend, the person I'm in a relationship with, which of course you know we're intent, intentional dating <clears throat> avenue towards marriage, right? And marriage is a building block of community. I live a five minutes walk away from her house, and I think that is why God put all of those things: the lacrosse, the household, the master's degree, all and the have like being able to get to get a house, all of that there for. That reason and then that reason branched out into me working for Mike Sullivan and reconnecting with Nick and David and Paul and also you guys. So it's 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 really it's really something that that it's tough because it can't be artificial and it can't be Astroturfed. It can't be I'm moving to Steubenville because of the Catholic community. Yeah. Because if you do that, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to find Steubenville to not be what you think it is. It's kind of you know that's that's a disillusionment. You know you you like that's what that's kind of what we all experience at Franciscan. You kind of go to <laughs> oh, Franciscan yeah. and, and expect Catholic Hogwarts, and it's more like Catholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: Hogwarts. Yeah. Well, that, that's a
1: common term.
3: your No, I'm done.
1: I've not heard it, but
2: that's
3: uh, awesome. Yeah. And and
1: it's and it's it's something else entirely. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if there's a perfect analogy for it. Franciscan is Franciscan. For sure. And Steubenville yeah. is Steubenville. Yeah. Yep. And yep. You are seeing more Catholic families come back. Um, you know the the Frads, right? Yeah. They 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 just moved here, and, and you know Matt Frad. Do you want to talk about a big name? Yeah. I think Matt Frad is to Catholic podcasting what Scott Hahn is to little bite-sized books that your pastor gives you for Christmas. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you live with
0: Scott.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, I say that in complete seriousness because my back home, enough, back home in Virginia, um, I say back home, where is my home? Anyway, <laughs> the Truth. um, man. back in Virginia, um, our, our, um, pastor gives us, uh, a book every year for Christmas, you know, it gives, gives the parish a book, and, That's cool. and like four out of the last five years, it's been a Scott Hunt book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so to Steubenville, like where because the because you know, this podcast, you know, I've, I haven't listened to all the episodes,
3: I'm neither
0: have I, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> Come on, my.
1: I know, but no, no, no. um, it's uh, neither have I. It's, <laughs> we've done all, all 64 of
2: them or whatever,
0: but.
1: But it's it's not listen to it's Steubenville people talking about problems that affect Steubenville on a you know micro or macro thing and like yeah the university for sure and because like the thing is I I actually think the university is a bit of a crutch More no more of a of a ball and chain because oh shit and it, well in in terms in terms of building a Catholic community because it's in it is inherently tied to the university if I if Franciscan University wasn't here I wouldn't know. Steubenville from Beijing, right? You know, same exactly. You okay. two are from California. Granted, okay. Give me the next Go premise. Ahead. So, the reason why the Catholic community kind of has to separate from Franciscan is because Franc- Franciscan is its own thing. That can be our like that is our that is where we train our intellectual elite. That's where we train our future aristocrats. That's where we train our our future Platonic guardians. Damn fuck. But, <laughs> but that's not where we grow our food. That's not where we train our warriors. That's not where we have our craftsmen. That's not where we have the building blocks for the society that's going to need to happen. Franciscan is like the cherry on top of your, of your Catholic society. You have this really, really, really great university in a local area that has all these these opportunities and and all these different things going for it that's the end point you know that's 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 kind of the end point because the the big problem is we you know we bring in students and let's and say let's say half, let's say half of them are really faithful half of them really don't care much about their faith their parents force them and you know I'm sure we've all met people who are only at studentville because their parents forced them yeah. and that's an interesting case on its own. Because if you are coming to a Catholic community, if you're coming to this thing because you're being forced to, it's not genuine. It's artificial. It's astroturfed. And that's why you see, that's why Franciscan has such a high transfer out rate. Because. really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, like, I've known so many people who go here for, and here, again, I'm, I'm like I, it's so hard to disassociate the two because we're, we're not at the university. All of us are graduating, We're not on university grounds right now. Yeah. But Franciscan is like, it's this looming shadow that we have to shake off our back because mm. if we want to build a legitimate Catholic society, we don't have to divorce ourselves from the university, but we have to understand that the university is just one of the means by yeah. which we'll get there.
3: I, yeah, dude. <sighs> I was trying to fall asleep the other night, and I couldn't stop thinking. I had this thing stuck in my mind. I was like... You sleep? <laughs> Bold.
0: <laughs>
3: Dude. In <what's> this economy?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry. I can't find sleep anywhere. Dude, like, I was thinking... I was like... Okay. I'm having a conversation with Francis. And I said... Um... <sighs> Like I said, yeah, I'm here, but. And Fris- Franciscan was like, you'll always be a part of us, but you have to move on. That's so it, creepy. It, no, it's like, you'll always be, you'll always have a heart for Franciscan, but you have to move on. Like I had yes. the conversation like, Franciscan, Kellen, you have to move on.
1: Yes, and that that's that was the important thing when when I talk about that clean break way way back at the at the beginning of at the, at the top of the hour. Yeah. Um, way back when we when we started discussing why did I come back is because I needed that clean break. I had to move on. I have to move on from the cross. Mm-hmm. I have to move on from yeah. household. Like yeah. you have to move on from these things. You have to build your own thing or join something that's being built that's separate from it because that is a part of your life that exists mo- pretty much for four years. Right. You can't. You know, perfect example is the Austrian experience. You have those four months, and you cannot make it any longer. You yeah. cannot stretch yeah. it out. You cannot decrease it. That's the time that's allotted for you to experience that. And
3: yeah, that that is that's a really that's like set time.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one thing is like I would really love to go back to Ghana, but I've considered not going because I. I'm worried that I romanticize it too much and that all the illusions that I have about it would be shattered. Or I would go and I would find it incredibly mundane. And, Mm. and it would just, it would just, it wouldn't mean anything to me anymore. And that, and that's the thing. Like I do still plan on, on continuing my master's degree, but you know, I'm not going to go to Lord's day. I'm not going to hang out in the JC. I want to have a family. I want to have a community. I want to have work that I feel adds to that community. And this is the IFWP. So I, I, I want to I break it down just, just really, really, really quick. So there are six questions that we ask, right? Who, what, where, when, why, how? The when is the only one that's not included in the IFWP because that's just on a, <clears throat> your, your, your linear time frame so you're who who are your folk my folk are Catholics you know, the, the, you know, like generally and you know frankly if we're talking about kinsfolk generally you people Americans of European descent that's that's generally who I feel like I can relate mm-hmm. to it's very hard for me to Same. relate from, to someone from Uganda or from Ukraine mm-hmm. um, or what have you or from South America in particular Um what do I do? So what do I do and how do I do it? That's your work. That's the physical manifestation of your contribution into that culture. Where, where is it? That's one thing we got, <laughs> uh, you know, like your geographical place. Okay. This culture that exists, where does it exist in physical space? And then the last thing, all of those contribute to Why? Why? What's the why? The why is the idea. That is the unifying ethic of the culture. The why is, Mm -hmm. why are we doing this? Because...
3: It's the most important question. It is...
1: We are are making a Catholic community in Steubenville and elsewhere Mm -hmm. because we recognize the failures of the society that we currently reside in. (laughs) And we understand that in order for the good and the beautiful to survive, we have to separate ourselves. And so our culture, it's, and this is the tough thing because we're, we're not even in a dark age yet. We're living through, we're living through the period up to the dark age. So with this knowledge that that dark age is coming, we have to understand that it is going to be a fight that we're not going to see the end to that several generations might not see the end to but the why and i want to this this will be the last thing i quote tonight because i i, I know I'm, i've been full of quotes and i i don't like
3: Can we love like, it. i like i like anaphorisms,
1: but i don't like aphorism. there's an ancient greek proverb that i really really love it's called um society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit and our oh. duty our why Why are we planting these trees? Because we know who's going to sit in them. And because we know that they will burn more ways than one if we don't plant them. Because this liberalism, this materialism, it is not just interested in itself. Because it's in a declining state, it's starting to lash out. It's starting to attack us. And right, the maggots are trying to feast on us. And... And we have to, really, we have to pick up our sword and our shield.
0: Yeah.
1: And we have to understand the demon that is in front of us and slay it through the power. First, Firstly, the power of prayer. Secondly, the power of hard work and work that you do not because of wealth accumula- accumulation, but because it's a contribution to, to the society. Yeah. And thirdly, we have to have a physical space in which to do it. Boom.
0: Wow. And some of those planting
2: those trees, the Cal and Alex <laughs> Mike. Let's go. Mystery. Hi, oh. oh, my goodness. This has been a just comprehensive podcast. I mean, we, we touched on so much. <laughs> so this is one of the best. So glad I, I would, mean, I'm
1: sorry if I would like.
2: Write it was down like, that no, 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 proverb no, no. for me. The hobby horse. Okay, so oh, my good. gosh. Dude, you got to.
3: <laughs> Can
0: you yeah, say it one
1: okay, more time? Uh, what? The, the proverb? The proverb. Society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit. Like,
3: Shit.
2: <laughs> whose, whose shade Who's they shade know that they will never, never sit. Yeah. That. Wow.
3: Dang, that's really you
2: cool. planting trees, bitch. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, man. it's been a absolute pleasure thanks for me on the this has been amazing
3: are you going to be around probably till the end of next semester or i
1: anything? i will for certainly be around until uh january
3: okay we're definitely bringing jack on
1: i would love to come back yeah, yeah this has been fantastic oh, this is like I want, <laughs> it's such oh, a yeah. joy well uh, this is the thing we were, we, were, we were talking a little bit about education i've always said Eighty five percent of the things I learned in college, I learned outside of a classroom doing stuff like this. Yeah. Hell
0: yeah. Because Man, I've, yeah. I've learned from sure. you.
1: I hope you've learned from me. Of course. I yeah. hope everyone um, online, the Kellen and Alex faithful.
0: <laughs> Let's go. I <laughs> um, uh,
1: have 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 learned from the things we've had to say, and I, I look forward to learning from them. This is a this is a learning. This is a learning space because that's the <clears> stage <throat> that we're in. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, bro! Thank you so much for listening to this
2: edition Thank of the you, Kellen bro. and Alex Show. We'll be back next Thursday. And uh, Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast, thanks, brother. Mike. Yep. So and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. If there's a Christian religion, then it's Catholicism or nothing. What politics? actually is art of people living together orienting one another towards virtue
3: and the person was like dude flirting is the abortion of love. this is the most worthy most exciting most adventurous drop a nuke uh, on the franciscan bubble
2: the kellen and alex show theology god could have stopped
3: it permissive will
0: that's (laughs) right
3: i don't know why god would allow something like that to go through but then again god allows god allows you to
0: to go on and on fair enough enough. (laughs) truth okay